0: hot with you. <laughs>
1: And welcome back to Ornate Stairwells, a podcast where we're sleepy.
2: I'm so sleepy. I'm so fucking sleepy, bruh. Except I'm... when I think about Matchmaker for pre-order. Except... Which I'm wide awake. <laughs> Before
1: that, I'm Autumn. I'm joined as always by Neve. Hi, I'm Niamh. Uh, And yes, so... <laughs> uh, more important than movies, more important than any fucking bullshit we're going to talk about today. Uh, our friend Cam has a book coming out. You can go to silversprocket.net or you can go to at littlegoodfrog on Twitter. Matchmaker. Pre-order it. It's out in September. It was like 25 bucks. Go buy it. Matchmaker is the best webcomic out there. I'm so fucking happy that there will be a print version of it that I can look on my shelf for the next fifty years of my life and be like, That
0: my friend made that.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um also it's it's good. Yeah. Even if I even even if I didn't know Cam, uh I would just like Matchmaker. So
2: Yeah. It's it's I mean, I got into it just seeing other people like retweeting it. But also very early on. Mm Mm-hmm. Like one of those where it's like, oh, there's like ten strips of this or something. Can I and and just was like reading it, you know? Yeah. Like on my locked account, following uh yeah. Cam's main yeah. just to see the updates. Yeah. Uh, to... and then towards the very end, actually becoming friends with Cam. Yeah. Can I tell
1: you, can I tell you what actually happened here? Because I'm I, I actually know what happened here. What? I knew that Cam listened to this and some other export shows. Um, because because I saw them hanging around the Discord sometimes I, I saw them on Twitter and I was like oh I really like this comic they do and then as I got more invested in Matchmaker I was like I have decided that I will become Cam's friend now <laughs> and I basically just sort of manifested that into the world that yeah. I was just like I will become Cam's friend because I like this comic so much <laughs> yeah which is also I don't know I became M's friend because I liked abnormal mapping a much. <laughs> don't if you're listening to this, probably don't do the thing I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Or don't be weird about it. Don't be
2: weird about it. Um Also I think there's just like a different energy. Um not that this also like you can still be weird about it with this scenario. Yeah. But when like people are like actively creating things. Uh-huh. And then are like kind of engaging with each other's yeah. work. Yeah, that's, that's really what like facilitates it more. That's the
1: thing is that knowing that Cam was into our podcast, I was like, oh, I'm capable of. And it wasn't like Em and I were not really friends until we were acquainted and they listened to Export. And I was like, okay, now they listen to Export. Now I can will us being friends into existence. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Whereas I just assumed that Em was always going to hate me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they do. Yeah. <laughs> Now I'm their favorite.
1: <laughs> um we watched so many movies this week, dude. We watched yeah. so many movies this week. You watched Highlander Not... the Source. Nope. I watched The Lord of the Rings. Nope.
0: <laughs> well, I did that... do yeah, I yeah. did do that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um it's gonna it's gonna be a light episode. It's just it's just gonna be a light
2: episode. It's fine. I'll talk a little bit about Columbo, but not that much because people can go listen to totally reprise.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um. Do you want to talk about Columbo now, or you want me to do my two and then you'll do Columbo and then we'll get to Mad Fox? Let's do that. Okay. You looked like you were about to say something else. No. I
2: don't have that much to say about Columbo. <laughs>
1: I don't have that much to say about Highlander
2: the Source or Lord of the Rings. You have a podcast about, well, you have a podcast about one of these, presumably. I haven't listened to it yet because it was recorded but not released.
1: Exportod.io slash franchise to listen to our episode
2: about Highlander the Source. Now, that one I've listened to, and I was going to, I was going to, semantics. Is that podcast about Highlander the Source? No, it is
1: not. (laughs) Is that the one where we're Googling Richter Belmont armpits, or is that the previous episode? That was the previous episode.
2: Yeah, I listen to them back to back, but it starts with
1: it starts with ranking dark
2: souls. Yes.
1: I was like, give me a letter grade. And then out. ends
2: with death threats.
1: <laughs> oh, is that still in the episode?
2: Yeah. We
1: were going to I don't know what Nora cut.
2: <laughs> Cuz there was There, there may was... have been more intense death threats. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: should listen to that. There was there was no intensity to it. There was an accidental death threat. And then there was me being like, oh my God, we can't put out this episode now. Oh God, I'm having an anxiety attack. And Nora I, Nora was like, I'm going to cut that. And I didn't ever ask her like, what part did you leave in? Did you
2: just... <laughs> I
1: haven't listened to it. At I don't the very know. least,
2: the joke of this started with ranking Dark Souls and ended with death threats <laughs> remaining. Anyway... Um,
1: so Highlander, the source, terrible fucking movie. Highlander is a terrible series. Um, next week, we're taking off from franchise as we do at the end of the season. And then and then we're, we're doing a crowd pleaser. We're doing something that I know people will show up for, and I want to see that fucking cat have an anxiety attack. <laughs> um,
2: Rated Q, it's a queer movie, according to some music box program. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Sorry Shut to the, the Music Box person who listens to this, but... Shut um, the fuck up! <laughs> we could do more interesting queer programming if you, if you got us. So.
1: Yeah, yeah. Call us. It, it, if you're listening and you work for the Music Box, and I know you do. I know you fucking do. Call us. DM us on Twitter. We have ideas. Yeah. All the movies will have scenes of people licking each
2: other's blood. What's not to like? Does that happen in Funeral Parade of Roses? Maybe. There is the part where where yeah. she, where she yeah. like cuts her yeah. leg yeah
1: yeah. There's definitely blood leaking. Yeah. Licking. There's definitely blood leaking. Yeah. <laughs> you sounded it so pleased with yourself. You were like, "Ooh."
2: <laughs> 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 I just didn't realize how much I had a type when it came to <laughs> queer movies. <laughs> um.
0: And then the other movie,
1: um, uh, I watched this week. The Lord of the Rings, directed by Ralph Bakshi, remade in 2000 by uh, Peter Jackson. Um, <clears throat>
2: now, this one, I pre- presume you actually talk about the in- the movie yeah. and it's in... Indo- yeah. Like, the whole length of it, because it was only, like, 30 minutes.
1: Yeah, we really cover that two-hour, 13-minute in-depth, uh, two-hour, 13-minute movie... <clears throat> In depth on our thirty-four minute episode of the podcast, <laughs> I don't, we did it justice. Yeah, we
2: did we did that movie justice. I'm just saying, when you have that kind of lean podcast, I'm not expecting a lot of tangents and everything. Yeah, you know. Yeah, stairwells is often three hours because we don't keep it on topic.
1: Yes, <laughs> well, and also like it, it it helps when um we've already done a podcast. We've already done many, many podcasts about the Lord of the Rings.
2: Yeah, and so you can kind of just talk about how it relates to the thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. We can kind of just talk about it as an adaptation for 30 minutes.
2: Get in, get out. Uh, Is every single woman in that movie just the most horniest straight man horny drawn? Uh, No. No. Okay. Because you know why? There's old people sometimes, and you can't be horny about old people. You know why? 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 Because there's one woman in
1: the Lord of the Rings. Well, yeah, but is she really horny drawn? Galadriel is not horny drawn. She's got some voluptuous eyebrows, but that's about it. Uh, Bakshi really restrained himself. I just
2: have to, like, live on the podcast. It's been so long since I've watched this one in particular because I wasn't that fond of it. If I'm being honest. Like, she's got a logo. In cut... terms of, like, if I'm watching a Bakshi movie. Yeah. You know? Um, I just, I wanted stuff to be, like, weird and kind of fucked up. It's no Fire and Ice. At least when I was ice. watching it. It's no Fire and Ice. Yeah. Um, Sometimes it's a little too fucked up, and I'm like, okay, dial it back a little, but... Yeah. Um, you get your, like, cool world. Fire ice, fire and Ice, I think, is kind of... Eh. Fire... It's, gonna, it's, right, it's on the edge. Fire and Ice, um... I don't even want to say the name of the movie that's, I think, the one that... That you is, like best? No, that's too fucked up. Okay. I mean, it's... Yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah, like Galadriel is the only woman in the movie, and her pussy is in. Yeah. Um. In a way that uh that is not true of the one woman in Fire and Ice. Um. Yeah. Fire and Ice just a better movie than Lord of the Rings. Um. And I I was quite fond of the Lord of the Rings, but um. Yeah.
2: Uh. It is, it is just funny how much Peter Jackson takes stuff from that. I was I was just seeing the uh, that, that one. That's yeah. the one. That the, the the
1: fucking the Nazgul. First of all, the Nazgul uh, looking for the four hobbits hiding under the tree branch. Uh, I believe Jackson has said as an homage. And then the, shortly after that, the Nazgul stabbing the beds um, in Bree. That doesn't happen in the books. <laughs> that doesn't happen in the books. It's yeah. alluded to. The next morning they wake up and they hear about it but you don't see it. So that was Bakshi's invention that yeah, um Jackson just takes. <laughs> yeah. Um And and then also another deliberate one was um when the proudfoot guy has his feet up on the table at the first birthday party. Yeah. That's just another like Jackson has said like Peter Jackson, sorry.
0: <laughs>
1: um, has said um that he did that as an homage to, uh, uh, Backsheesh Lord of the Rings. Um, yeah. Um. Yeah. Ralph Backsheesh Lord of the Rings pretty cool, but it's no fire and ice. I got, I got nothing. I did the podcast about it.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: stairs.
2: Okay. Highland of the Source stairs. So you said it on the podcast and that I was supposed to remember, and then I forgot what you said. No,
1: it's fine. it's fine. I had to text you in the moment that they were weird stairs because I was a little bit high, and I knew that if I didn't note there were stairs and there were weird, I wouldn't remember at all. But just by noting that, I did remember them. So a character's head gets chopped off, as happens in these movies, and then we cut to a green screen CG stairs, a head flies off flies okay so it's like you got the stairs make a y shape there's two sets of stairs going down and inward mm-hmm. and then there's another they they meet at a little like level like a square and then outward from them there's another set of stairs going down or i guess going up and then out in two directions you know yeah. depending on which way you're walking so Someone is standing at the top of the left side of the stairs, left from the camera's perspective. The head is chopped off. It goes flying. It splatters blood everywhere. Um, and then the main guy, uh, the main bad guy, his superpower is that he runs really fast and has afterimages. And he squirms a lot. He's a little squirmy guy. And so after he cuts off the head, he's like zip, 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 down the stairs. And it's weird. It's just a weird looking thing that happens. <laughs> um, so um, uh, yeah, that's about. Um, I'll give you a D plus because they're like bad, but like amusing bad. Yeah. Uh, the Lord of the Rings. S for stairs. One. Tolkien just had that in the work.
2: Yeah. Now. Before you talk more about the Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a little spot here where I'm going to put in what you said on the episode itself. Because I th- I know you rated it on the episode. So I just want to see if it lines up.
1: Okay. I'm, I'm excited to hear.
0: There's two main things with stairs. There's
1: two main things with stairs. One, a head gets chopped off. It's torn off. It's torn off. It flies down a set of stairs and leaves like some blood streaks, and then uh, the one man runs really fast with the afterimages across the stairs. There's like it's a the, T-shaped chair. Yeah, the it's a T-shaped stair.
2: T-shaped chair.
1: Yeah, you're you're getting higher and higher. It's fine. It's fine. Um, and then the other one is a but when they have the big climactic fight at the end, they fight between two sets of stairs. Yeah, there's like. One coming down into a pit and then there's one going up out of the pit and into the source.
0: Which is a big light.
1: Yeah. And the pit is about four feet deep. It's weird. It's a weird little pit.
0: A weird little pit.
1: Yeah. Um, Lord of the Rings stairs. Lord of the Rings stairs. S. First of all, Tolkien just put that shit in the work. Tolkien himself put the good stairs in the book. So that helps. Second of all, the mines of f- fucking Moria. There's stairs everywhere. They're mines.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: And that's not even the only stairs in the movie. That's just the ones I'm remembering right now. I think there's some cool r- stairs in Rivendell, if I remember right. There's some cool stairs like other places. There's definitely more cool stairs in the mines of Moria. Because I definitely thought... This is an S even before they got to Moria. Cannot remember what it was now. Um, but it's, that's fine. I don't think there were any good, there were notable stairs in the Inn at Bree. There's Moria and there was something else. Oh, whatever. Who cares? I'm belaboring the point. Yeah. Um, You have penciled in our next movie while I was talking, which I'm You can
2: You can object to this, but. No,
1: I'm very excited. Yeah. I was literally going to say you penciled in because we were talking before the podcast. I was like, hey, we should figure out what movie we're doing next. We didn't do that. So you just, while I was talking, typed something in, and I'm like, that's a great idea. I like it. So we'll do it. Next time, we're covering Man with a Movie Camera by Ziga Vertov.
2: Yes. This will be the start of going through sort of history of documentaries, talking a little bit about different like styles that emerge, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Probably when we watch it, we might, like, I'll talk about the Lumiere Brothers films as, Uh like sort of one of the origins of film being kind of a documentary mode. Um, and then we can also, like, briefly look at the Nook of the North and uh, maybe if I can find, like, a Kino Bravda newsreel, we can watch a little bit of that, which is also a Ziga like thing. thing. Um, a lot How? of people start with the Nook of the North for, like, let's talk about the origin of documentary film. Um, and I think there's, like... Especially if you're doing, like, here's the actual history and you're contextualizing it. I just don't want to do it as an episode, because it's not that good of a movie, and it's like... If we were teaching a course kind on of it, racist. I
1: would be like, yeah, we have to do it. Yeah. But we're not teaching a course, we're making a podcast.
2: Yeah. So, I, I guess I can say here, if people want to, like, do the extra work, and they want to watch Inuka of the North, because there is stuff that's, like, useful or, like, informative about, like, someone creating like a a particular intention for a documentary style it is just um deeply seeped in a like 1920s sociology where um there's a lot of like implicit racism even as they're as they're trying to preserve a culture Mm -hmm. there's a lot of that like baked into it Um, uh, the man that they're doing that they're recording for the most part his name is not in a nook yeah, they're just doing that so that they can have the little catchy Nanook of the North. You um, you did
1: air quotes around preserving the culture that I yes. think came through, but I the, wanted to highlight yes,
2: because also part of what what is happening is a lot of the stuff nobody's practicing anymore, and they're just having this one guy sort of recreate it for him, mm-hmm. uh, so they can sort of do these stage scenes. But exactly how accurate some of this stuff is is up for debate yeah um and then also this like particularly colonial idea of like preserving a culture that you're actively wiping out right is like baked into it yeah so all that stuff is in there watching it and then also like there's some fun stuff to it but it's not the most engaging movie either yeah.
1: i think i saw how long is it um i want to say we watched. Long. i want to say we watched like part of it for a class but if it's only like a 30 minute movie we might have watched all of it or something it's an hour and a half it's an hour and a half so yeah i think maybe i saw 15 minutes of it for a class one time just to sort of like here's what this was but we didn't even a professor who was like teaching a course on the history of film was like this is like important but like you're all here for like film 201 you don't yeah. really care and so like we're not gonna belabor in the nook of the north of all things like we had to, I think we had to watch all of Birth of a Nation, but like, um, I don't believe we watched all of Nanook of the North. You know,
2: yeah. Uh, um,
1: that's also just a good old fashioned Kansas education for you.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can also like people can look into read a little bit more about Nanook of the North as like a thing and all of scholarship that's gone in around like what's the accuracy here, blah blah blah. Um. But i like I also think it's a thing if people are curious, you can also watch like fifteen minutes of it and get the idea, yeah, you know um so i I would say for me i I would call it more important than something like Birth of the nation mm-hmm. birth of a nation mm-hmm. um it is something that's a little bit worth more worth watching at least some of. But also, also there's, like, a, a lot of, like, context around that. And I don't want to just have an episode that's me providing context for a movie that we watched and we thought was, eh. Yeah. Also, kind of
1: remarkable, for all the um troubling uh, race stuff around the Nook of the North, somehow, somehow, miles and miles better than Birth of a Nation. <laughs> oh. <yeah. laughs> um, you know.
2: Yeah. Uh one is just like uh actively malicious.
1: Yes. <laughs> one of them uh, uh helped popularize the KKK
2: in the states. <laughs> yeah. Um anyway, Colombo. Colombo. Uh so I watched two. I watched the what is it? Greenhouse Jungle. Mhm. It was a pretty fun one. Um if that one in particular, and I won't get into too much of it because Totally Reprise hasn't gotten to it yet. But, like, there's sort of a, a, a fun tension there where some of it is about, like, oh, Columbo's kind of old-fashioned and doesn't do all the high-tech stuff. And some of the, like, ways that people are trying to construct clues to mislead for the way that, like, modern forensics happens mm. because columbo's being more intuitive is able to see past but also the final way that he's able to prove it is by using some of the new technology himself huh so it it's not purely like oh columbo's doing it the old way and that's why he's better it's like there needs to be more of a both things happening uh-huh um which is i thought it was just kind of a for like the overall theme of that episode was kind of interesting. Cause I was expecting it to just be like, oh, Columbo gets it done, you know, his own way. And new tech isn't bringing anything, even as episodes continually be about like, oh, the way that like recording works is the thing that undoes or whatever. Right, yeah. That episode felt like it was like focused on something that happens in Columbo and like actually talking about it thematically. Um, technology also ends up getting the killer. In uh Etude in black, um, that's the actual first episode that I then watched second. Um, you know it's good, Mikey and Nikki. Mikey and fucking Nikki. Yeah,
1: that's the prequel to Mikey and Nikki. That's like, uh, um, it's not as good as Mikey and Nikki. No. The
2: episode is not as good as Mikey and Nikki <laughs> by a, by a long shot.
1: Yeah. Do you know? Do you know? Have you? There's a good clip on YouTube or perhaps Criterion. Of uh, Peter Falk explaining how Mikey and Nikki came together.
2: I don't think I've seen the clip, but I've I've heard the.
1: So so for listeners, yeah. um, Elaine May comes to Peter Falk and says, "Hey, I've got this script. I'm really I, I, I think you're perfect for it. Um, but I don't know who should be the other guy. It's is it that that is it that Peter Falk is Nikki." And John Cassavetes is Mikey. I don't remember.
2: Yeah, I don't remember. Doesn't it
1: doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So, so she Elaine May, the director of Mikey Nikki, comes to Peter Falk and is like, "Hey, I think you'll be perfect for this, but I can't figure out who should be playing opposite you." And um. Falk so much enjoyed playing opposite Cassavetes, and he also thought Cassavetes would be good because Cassavetes is himself a director and so and because it's such an improvisational thing. Yeah. Like Cassavetes might know the thing that the movie needs in a certain scene, you know. <clears throat> so Falk went to Cassavetes and was like because because of, you know, these episodes of Columbo where Cassavetes is the killer. It uh, goes to Cassavetes is like, I have this script for you for a movie. And Cassavetes is like, I'll do it. And Peter is like, you need to read the script first. And, and Cassavetes is like, no, I just really like Columbo. I'll do it. <laughs> and Peter Falk was getting pissed off at am Like, no, I need you to take this seriously. I need you to read the script and tell me what you think of it, which is the dynamic of the two characters. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> it's just the movie happened... <laughs> Before the movie
2: happened. I mean, I believe that because you watch that movie and you're like, some of this kind of feels like they just put a camera on some guys and let them go.
1: You know why it feels like that, right? Because they put a camera on some guys and let them go.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh... I feel like I'm a, I'm a little bit less like, uh, I feel like a lot of our friends are like very actor focused. Mm-hmm. Mikey and Nikki is like a perfect, like, yeah. you just like have good actors acting off of each other. Yeah. Yeah. Movie. So, uh, whereas I often, I'm get more into like the, uh, cinematography, editing, that kind yeah. of stuff, which Mikey and Nikki's a, like is fine, but the, the real thing is it's just showcasing them. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I can also understand why for for some of my friends it's just like the greatest fucking movie.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm like Mikey and Nicky is obviously a classic, obviously one of the greats, but it doesn't quite reach that like next echelon for me. Yeah, but like I understand, I, I I get it, you know. Yeah, it's no
2: pastoral.
1: It's no wings of desire.
2: It's no wings of. De- now that's a good one that has both. Yeah, yeah, you got the you got the guys action off each other, uh-huh. and also, um, Dominique Martin mm-hmm. is that the one in? Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: We should, um, we've never, I've never seen any John Cassavetes directed movies. We should, um. I
2: feel like I've seen at least one. Let me, let me, uh.
1: We talked at one point about doing Woman Under the Influence on this podcast, and then I realized it was two and a half hours long. Um. Yeah. I mean, I guess I would, I guess I would want to do, like, Shadows, like his first movie, because it is, like, a influential on American independent cinema sort of thing. Yeah. Um. Just because it was, you know, an independent movie in 1959 that was successful. (laughs) Um, I forgot... Okay, Woman Under the Influence is a 1974 American drama film written and directed by John Cassavetes. Uh, The story follows a woman, Gina Rollins, whose unusual behavior leads her to conflict with her blue-collar husband, Peter Falk, and family. Um, Maybe we should just do that. Maybe, like... It's got, it's got Peter in it. Maybe we should do yeah. Woman of the Influence at some point, even though it's too
2: long. <laughs>
0: um, well, it's, like, just shy of three hours. Well, Jesus. we'll
2: figure... After if, we record, I, I want to, like, yeah. have us put in a few things. Yeah, that can be, like... build this out a little more.
1: Yeah, maybe... Maybe, like, next time we have a, a week where we know we're going to miss a week. Like, next time, like, oh... I'm going out of town ta- I'm I'm going out of town to see my mom in July. We know we'll miss a week. Maybe we come back with a long movie. Maybe that's Woman Under the Influence or something, you know. Yeah. Anyway.
2: Or like May I'm going to travel. Right. On a weekend, so.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's do The Mad Fox. Yeah. Uh this movie's great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, The Mad Fox. Uh, Released in 1962, directed by... Uchida Tomo. Uchida Tomo. Um, This is adapted from a very, very old Bunraku uh, play. Um, It is very, like, mythical in nature. I say very, very old. It's 1734, which, to me, an American, is, like, older than old. But, like, in the history of Japanese art, is old. <laughs> you yeah. know? Uh, it You know, there is just a, a less, you know, there's more continuity between, you know, anyway. Yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> adapted from an old play, um, it is the story of um, uh, Abe no Yasuna. Um, yeah.
2: Yasuna is sort of...
1: Yeah, Yasuna... Um, he is, like, this disciple of, um...
2: Uh, Kamono Yasunori.
1: Yeah, who is, like, he is the master of yin and yang. He is, um, like, sort of a, is sort of a, like, soothsayer for the emperor. Um... Yeah. And, um, uh, he has, he has... The one guy who he was like, I was going to name you my successor, but you you're doing me dirty. So now I think yeah. it's gonna be Yasuna.
2: Yeah. And the, the other guy is Domon. Domon,
1: thank you. So he's like Not to it be was, confused
2: with Domon Kashu.
1: It was gonna be you, Domon, but you have fucked up one too many times and I it's gonna be it's gonna be Yasuna.
2: Yeah, and one of the big inciting incidents is uh-huh. um so like the movie starts on this like uh yeah. But I think it's a solar eclipse. Yes. <clears throat> um, which they
1: call a white rainbow, which is yes. really cool. Uh
2: well there's also like some sort of white light that's moving across the sky. Mm-hmm. When it uh maybe it's a maybe it's a lunar eclipse. When it crosses over the moon, I think the moon changes colors. Okay. because uh, there's this whole thing about like if it's the sun versus the moon. Um but and like everything is red while it's happening. Um and they just like I think some mix of red light and possibly pushing it further by, like, dying the film.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. For some of that stuff. I think so, too. Um,
2: there are some stuff where it feels like it's more just, like, uh, heavy use of red light and other stuff where they're definitely dying stuff. But... Um, <clears throat> and so it starts with that, and uh, Yasuna comes. Yeah, Yasunori, the the master... He is the he
1: has the Golden Crow scroll where he can understand the omen of like what does it mean for this eclipse to be happening. Um, and he has to read it. Um, his wife has the key to the door where the scroll is kept behind and, and his, his adopted daughter, who is of common birth, yeah, has the key to the the, the box itself where the scroll is contained. Yeah. So he needs both of them to open it and he opens it. And he's going to go tell the emperor like his interpretation of the scroll.
2: Yeah. On um, the way, as a note, the the uh, adopted daughter Sakaki. Mm-hmm. Um, there was this whole thing of like. Um, the, bas- the, the, the there was basically some fortune that need to be fulfilled. This gets like explained at the very beginning, where there's this like scroll that you you yeah. There's like a really cool. Across
1: scroll that tells the story and the narrator is narrating. And Cause also the... this
2: is like excised from the middle of the play. So yeah. they're like giving you some of the backstory in the scroll. Um, the, the key thing is basically the reason why it's this like, uh, you know, commoner who got elevated to this position <clears throat> is all of the omens. And they find like the child that would fulfill the omens. And it's just this common girl but it's actually twins who are like born basically at the same time, and so they select the older daughter mm-hmm. by they don't specify, but I'm pres- presuming like minutes, you yeah. know. Um, it's like the the older daughter, I think, just because of like age rank, right? Thing, and so Sakaki goes to become, but then uh, kuzunoa stays behind.
1: Yes. So Yasunori, he he reads the scroll, and and Yasuna immediately came to Yasunori, whereas Doman went first to the Emperor to say, Hey Emperor, you gotta go listen to whatever Yasunori said. Yasunori is insulted by this, and he's like, Obviously the Emperor knows to listen to me. Everybody knows to listen to me. You didn't need to do that. You should have come here. Uh, and when I get back, I'm writing you out of the will. Um, the wife, who supports Doman, um, and doesn't like Sakaki, the adopted daughter, uh, is like, nods her head, and one of Yasunori's like escort kills Yasunori and everybody else, um, and then comes back and is like, bandits attacked us, Um, and Yasunori is dead, and now he has no clear successor. Sakaki, the adopted daughter, wants um, Yasuna to become the uh, um, successor, and the wife wants um, uh, Doman to become the successor, And so there's a little back and forth about it. And Sakaki is like, well, I knew what father read and I will go tell the emperor what father read. And she goes before the emperor and says her piece and sort
2: of... Which notably is if it was the sun that was like held still, then it would be something with like the the ruler basically yeah the
1: emperor would be in trouble if it was yes. a, if it was the sun that was transfixed which i think means yes. solar eclipse maybe yeah. but it was the moon that was transfixed and so the air
0: yeah, is there, cursed in some way and
2: it will cause uh, you know, the interpretation here is that the country will be thrown in the turmoil because there is something being tran- like transects with the heir, which they interpret as the heir is not going to have a child and that's what's going to cause yeah. the, the issue. And so the court's all worried about, well, how do we make sure that the heir has a child?
1: Yes. Um, and specifically the confusion will be part of the turmoil. Yeah. Which then this is the the dramatic irony that makes the play move is that everybody's so worried about the prince's heir. And no one's thinking about, obviously, the air that's being told about in the Omen is the... the, the yasuna. The, yasuna. Yeah. <laughs> is, is Yasunori's air, and the confusion there. <laughs> like, that's obviously what the Omen's about. Yes, <laughs> especially
2: because more stuff will come about from the Omen that will continue to, like, lead yes. into the story. Um... um. And so,
1: so Sakaki goes before the emperor and and says, you know, tells her interpretation and is like, I think that Yasuna should become the new master. Um, and there's discussion in the court about that.
2: They're also mad at her because she didn't uh, bring a solution when she interpreted, uh, which is just a big white collar office job where you're like, <laughs> but- I've diagnosed the problem and they're like, and you don't know how to fix it. But
1: also, you know, that if she was like, and this is the solution, like someone would have been like, well, how can we know she's not the master? She's just a lowly woman. Oh, we yeah. can't listen to her. Like, you know, that if she had a solution, she still would have been discredited.
2: Yeah. Uh, so she's like, oh, he wanted Yasuna to be the, the heir. He, he will be able to come and like do the further interpretation with the scroll. Once he's named the the successor, officially, because that needs to happen before they can open up the box with the Golden Crow scroll.
1: So they go back home, and they're going to open the scroll with both of the potential heirs present. They open the box. The scroll is gone. How could this have happened? It obviously must have been Sakaki. She clearly has been the character with evil intent through this whole movie. We have to arrest her immediately and torture her to death.
2: Well, of course, it's the mother who's like, it's, "We must arrest you." So, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, the mother who has definitely not spent this whole movie cigar chomping.
2: Yeah, uh, she definitely is just. She laughs. Oh. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> that was pretty
1: good. That was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, she pretty much does. Yeah. Uh,
2: she laughs a little bit differently, but you would still yeah. in Katakana write it out. Oh ho 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 yeah. yeah. Nanami
1: would be proud. Yeah. Um so um they torture her with Yasuna watching. Um she dies. Uh one of her handmaidens helps Yasuna escape
2: from his like imprisonment and he goes As a note, in all of this too, uh, so I don't know if we covered it. Yasuna and Sakaki love each other. Yes. Um. And the the mother seems to be doing kind of like a cougar seduction Uh, of of Doman. Doman. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: so Yasuna escapes his imprisonment, and he goes and he eavesdrops on the mother and Doman and the and. The mother is like, I had the scroll in my sleeve the whole time and we'll just pretend that um,
2: she, you know, told us where it was before she died.
1: Yeah. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, haunted by the haunted by knowing um, Yasuna takes the scroll and in the in the sort of kerfuffle burns down the temple um, and he sort of goes mad at his love's death. And um he has to flee because you know, obviously I don't, I don't, I don't think it's said that like the authorities were against him, but I think it's pretty easy to infer that like the, the, the mother would be like, he burned down the temple in his rage. We have to
2: capture him. Yeah. In fact, I I know that
1: it's not said in that moment, but it
2: comes back to later that he is on, he is on the outs with the law. Yes. Um, Part of the reason why I don't think it fully explores it is, and I don't know how much is being edited from like the middle of parts of this play. Yeah. But this work in particular seems to be most focused on like his loves. Yes.
1: I would I would bet money that in the the full play that's addressed, but in this version of it, it's like, well, you'll understand that later, so we don't need to talk about it now. The
2: the more like political court stuff only really comes up in the ways that it ties into his actual story of like love loss, mm. um, like all of the stuff at the beginning that we've been talking about, which is this like uh Royal court drama mm-hmm. is also revolving around like what's happening with the, uh, you know, the omen and what it's predicting that is being misinterpreted, but we are learning about it through the misinterpretation and realizing it's really about him. Mm. So that's why it's there. It's also, there because you need to, to some degree, explain Sakaki's death and that heartbreak, yeah. Um, but up until this point, colors have been fairly saturated, yeah. Um, a, it the, hasn't the red like... at the beginning and like the, the scroll at the beginning when you see it is like really intense saturation, and then it kind of falls away where it feels a little bit more like, oh, you're just watching like a 60s, maybe 70s, like uh, Jidai Geki. it's a little bit stuffy,
1: yeah. It's it's not, yeah, I wouldn't say it's realistic. But it's like it—it's very staid. It's very conservative in its tone. You yes. You know, um, you have the eclipse at the start, which is like this weird visual element. But even that, you can sort of fit into, like that would not be out of place in in, in Quaidon, which Quaidon is a very experimental film. So that was a bad, yeah, f- bad example there. But
2: it wouldn't be out of place in like if they were around this time making a Godzilla movie and colorizing it, you would have the intense red around Godzilla doing some. Yeah. I
1: said to you, the, the, the first 10 minutes of this movie, I said to you were a Godzilla movie because it is, um, there is a natural disaster. I mean, an eclipse is not a disaster, but there is a sort of like nature does a thing. And then it's just all these, uh, people like looking, it's all these shots of people looking at it. Looking and, and, up at it, too. Yes, and, and, and reacting to it, which is so much of how, like, Godzilla movies of the 60s move is yeah. not is not necessarily just shots of the monster rampaging, but shots of people observing the monster, you yeah. know? Um, um,
2: and in this case, it's this, like, ill omen. Yes, yes. You know? But that um, is also going to rampage at least one man's life. Yes. Uh,
1: <laughs> what if Godzilla decided, I'm going to fuck you up?
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so when you get to the point where he he uh, goes into madness, basically. Yeah, we sort of then, like fast
1: forward maybe like two months later, maybe. Yeah.
2: And he's kind of wandering around, uh, seemingly not like fully connected with uh, what's going on with the world around him. Uh. And he's sort of in this like field and there's these... these uh, Headstones. Headstones, and he uh, goes and he asks, like, you know, basically, give me Sakaki back or give me someone just like her.
1: That's where you fucked up. Don't don't say someone just like her. Don't don't say you want her back because then you'll get like Zombie Sakaki. That'll also go bad. But his mistake is that he says or one just like her, and he's gonna get two two just like her. (laughs) He's gonna get two just like her.
2: So they, he falls asleep. And some of this gets explained as a dream, but just in basically awakens in the exact same location. But it's just the most yellow you've ever seen in a movie ever. Yes. And it's all these
1: like fake yellow flowers, like fake um, dandelions and and stuff like that. Um, And they're on a rotating stage, which I get the impression that like the play, the play itself, it seems like employed some sort of like rotating stage for like. Like, because you see the rotating stage a couple times, especially the house later in the movie that we'll get to soon. Yeah, um, certainly
2: and so, a way to to stage this
1: stuff. Yes, and he like it's it's a really cool scene because there's like a singer, um, and a, and a, a musician sort of playing a song. That's sort of like expressing his feelings and he's dancing in this like highly unrealistic state. Also, he woke up with a different haircut, which you hate when that
2: happens. Yeah. And he has the... Right before he falls asleep, he ties a headband, which I think is like symbolic of madness. mm mm-hmm. um, And then he's like wearing it throughout mm-hmm. the whole... He does to me just look like
1: a character from Animal House with the tie wrapped around his head.
2: <laughs> I guess.
1: <laughs> that is just where my mind went. Um, yeah.
2: Um... Yeah, and it's like this, like fairly lengthy scene, but it's yeah. it's also pretty incredible to watch. It's
1: really good, and then it ends, and there's there's been a yellow curtain.
0: Um, yeah, it's kind background. of just been like
2: an obscure, like it you can't really tell is something just falling away into like weird yellow fog or something. Yeah, uh, and then it just falls. Yes, and it's revealed to have been a curtain. Yes, uh, and there's a compositing shot that's happening here. Yeah because they were just obviously on some sort of stage but now it's back on the like uh you know the fields mm-hmm. and who happens to come along but Kuzunoa? the the
1: younger twin sister of Sakaki and uh, Yasuna is like, Sakaki, you're back. And she's like, I'm Kuzunoha, and you're kind of weird. <laughs> um,
2: and then there's some like time skipping here, but there's it some seems time like skipping. over time she like, plays along with being Sakaki. Yeah,
1: Sho- Shoji is like, Lord Shoji, her father, is like, hey, he's obviously lost his mind. Maybe if you sort of play along with him, this will like sort itself out, basically. Yeah. Um, and you see like scenes of them like walking together in the woods and he'll be like sakaki, blah 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 blah. And there was like a moment I noticed today watching it, uh I don't we we said this in the non homophobia zone. We might not have said it in the main podcast. We
2: watched this yesterday.
1: Oh very sleepy.
2: <laughs> especially like uh the Middle of the second half is where you...
1: Yeah, and I, I, I drifted off for a little bit, so then tonight I, I re-watched the movie at 2x speed, and there was a little bit I noticed today that I didn't notice yet- yesterday, was that she... He calls her Sakaki one time, and she's like, uh, <clears throat> she's like, Yasuna, I really like you, but when you call me Sakaki, and then she trails off for a second, and then she's like, I just want to see you happy. Basically, you're yeah. something like that. She's like, she's like, I want to say something. No, I, I need to be like, I need to do what my father told me. I need to, to conform to this sort of like social expectation. I'm going to not, I'm not going to speak back against him in this moment. Yeah.
2: But also, and this is going to get parallel later on. Part of what's happening here, although it, this love is unrealized. Uh-huh. But there's this love developing where he is mistaking her for sakaki and because of that has is like expressing love Mm -hmm. she can only have that love if she poses as sakaki Mm -hmm. um and we're gonna get like a deeper level of this and soon and and
1: and shoji the father is sort of looking out for her because he's like because um Yasuna is like, well, we can just be married. And Kuzunaha is like, I don't know you, motherfucker. I don't really want to get married. You keep calling me the wrong name. (laughs) And Shoji is like, oh, it's much too early for you to be wed. Like Shoji is just like, oh, you couldn't possibly be wed yet. I feel like that's maybe another thing that's probably expanded on in the full play, maybe. yeah, Um, Because it's like you get it through dialogue here, but it's not like there's not a scene where Shoji... I bet there's, like, a scene where Shoji is, like, dancing around the subject, trying to find a way to not give permission for them to be wed,
2: you know? Yeah. But there, there's this, like, tension where, in some ways, she seems to be getting, like, growing fond of him, but also wants to assert herself rather than her being her sister. Mm-hmm. But also that, like, makes certain things impossible. Yeah. Because of him being in love with Sakaki. So from here, we cut back to a scene in court,
1: and the prince um, is like, the prince is talking to Domon, and Domon is like,, um, they still haven't found the scroll. They don't They didn't find the scroll yet, but he's like, "Hey, from what I did read, you need like the blood of a white fox um, under the bed while you embrace uh, with your lover." Or yeah. with your wife. Yeah, uh, it's, uh,
2: they interpret it as uh, siring an heir by copulating in a room adorned with the blood of a white vixen. Yes. This is also going to be about uh, Yasuna, actually.
1: This is also going to be about Yasuna, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so uh, you know, the men of court all go on a hunt for a white fox. Um, and... Kuzunoha yeah. and Yasuna Specifically
2: like I remember seeing this like old female fox. Uh-huh. Uh white, you know, old white vixen. we are going to yeah. go hunt her down.
1: Kuzunoha and Yasuna are like walking through the forest uh while the hunt is happening and then and Yasuna is like, "Oh, I hate hunting." And they come across an injured old woman all of a sudden.
2: Yeah, uh, who sort of moves oddly through the brush and then yeah. falls
1: out. She sort of like scampers, yeah. I would say. Um which is weird for an old woman. I don't think of old women yeah. as scampering, um, but I'm sure she's just a normal old lady.
2: And then she sort of falls out with the arrow in her back.
1: Yeah. Um, and so they take her back to her home, and her well, hus- and
2: the hunting party comes across, and they're like, "Where's the white fox? Like the you know white vixen that we shot?" And Yasuno's like, "You idiots! Can't you tell a human from a f- fox?" This is obviously a human. Yeah. Uh, His inability to tell the difference between the two will also continue to be part of this. Yes.
1: Now, I know that we all believe that foxes are capable of shape- shape-shifting themselves into humans, but this is obviously a human and not a fox. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so he helps her back to her home, which is in some weird part of the forest. And Yeah. Yeah. Weird that
1: they have a a sort of den in the middle of the woods. Yeah, because they're it humans. It seems to have
2: like even compared to the rest of the woods, like more gardening stuff, just kind of growing on. Like yeah, almost like if you were like a, a you know fox that hunted and would drag corpses back, maybe uh-huh, like uh-huh, that uh-huh. would fertilize the soil more, and there would be more bo- bounteous. Vegetables. But that
1: but they're not foxes. They're women. They're, yeah, they're people. You yeah.
2: Know. I'm just saying as as someone who identifies with foxes, I am aware that foxes actually do like create more gardens around their dens because of the the way that they've dragged mm-hmm. back uh you know the, their hunts. Um But that's unrelated to that, this. that's unrelated to this. So they bring in the injured
1: old woman, um, and um they they're like the the grandfather is like oh we we owe this man a debt now he saved your grandmother's life um and he calls cone over um cone is like the young daughter um and in this moment we re- we find out they were foxes the whole time what oh my god <laughs> um uh it's
0: really
1: it, it's really cool um This movie does such a good job of, like, selling you on the theater of it. Um, I feel like in so many adaptations um, of this sort of thing to cinema, you would want to, like, have, like... Because there's a bit in this movie where there's a little animated fox running around, right? Yeah. And in so many movies, that's what they would move toward, is, like, let us let us bring some sort of like verisimilitude to this and show you a fox. And this movie makes the very interesting choice. And I think it's much stronger for it to do how they would represent this in the theater, which is the people yeah, are wearing Fox they have masks. The, the
2: Kabuki Fox mask.
1: Yeah. And I think it's a, I think it's a really strong choice to go with this sort of theatrical element to it. Yeah. I think it in, I think it amplifies the sort of mythical tone yeah. to the movie in a strong way.
2: And the, Overall, this uh, this movie is very theatrical. Even the court drama stuff, some of it you can kind of feel mm-hmm. like uh, they are recording people doing a, a stage play. Uh, there's a lot of like camera just on people performing, uh-huh. rather than lots of like over the shoulder or those sorts of techniques. Uh-huh. You know. Um, you'll often kind of get a specific vantage point on the setting and people will move about in it in the way that they might in, like, a play. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's already some of that, but this is a thing that, like, feels particularly, oh, this is from the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, which we're going to get some more of that stuff around the foxes as well. But, yeah, it is interesting that there's other stuff that they mix in. I mean, the scroll at the beginning, you were half-jokingly, but it's also kind of serious. There's a little bit of, like, old manga. Yeah, like, that, what's that is... What's happening there.
1: I, I mean, like... You know, like y- Scott McCloud would be like that that's that is manga, like that is comics, yeah. and i I would be inclined to agree with that, you yeah.
2: know, well, I just wanna yeah, uh distinct from like I think as long as you say manga and people imagine like manga panels like you're reading Nana or Naruto or yeah. berserk or whatever, this is like the older form of visual storytelling, yeah, called manga that existed for a really long time this in is Japan, this is for sort of the a like uh influence and in, infusion that happened with like American comics in particular coming in and European as well
1: but. well and this is you know this is um like sequential art um in the like you know centuries and centuries before the innovation of like panels you know like there are yeah. there are subdivisions but there's not a gutter in this there's just sort of like like in that scroll at the start there will be like action happens here and then there's sort of like the field that they're all doing this action on sort of continues but there's sort of sort of negative space in there it's not a gutter you know yeah. um which is just a a, a yeah. look that is unique to you know, a, a look that you just cannot do in in books. We were talking, as we were watching this movie, you were talking about how cool books are as a technology <laughs> as compared to scrolls.
2: Scrolls have their advantages, but so there's the part where they're like reading the Golden Crow mm-hmm. uh, scroll, and that's where I commented on it of like... Because the scroll in the book are not like that too different in terms of like uh, technology, mm-hmm. you know? There's not like a significant... If you have the things to make a scroll, you basically have the things to make a book. The bindings may be a little bit harder with the
1: Yeah, book. like, you need, like, a paste or something like that. Yeah, but...
2: but, like, you've got most of the elements there. Yeah. But, like, the scroll is harder to do the things that you can do with a book where, like, you know... I have a hamstring in here because we're going to be reading it next on Longfire. Um, I don't think this one actually has... You can go to end page. notes, but like you could have end notes and then whatever and flip back and forth. Yeah. Or you can be like, oh, I want to remember what's going on on this, you know, I want to check this thing in the introduction where there's a map while are doing it and you can like so easily flip back and forth. Right. Yeah. So I did have this moment of just being like, I think books are kind of incredible because we still use them a lot. Yeah. Like you e-book, know eBooks have, have, I think to a fair degree, like supplanted books for a lot of people but also, there are substantial like, there are things about books that eBooks can't do. There's like yeah. benefits to both. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I, I I you know bought the book on coffee and comic books this week because I wanted to be able to to flip back and forth in it in yeah. a way that like I can do on my Kindle. It is a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, and so yeah, part of me was just watching it because I think of scrolls as old like. A thing nobody uses that much anymore. You know what? You know what
1: I just thought of as we were talking though. Webtoons are kind of just scrolls. Yeah. We we, it's literally we we call it scrolling. Yeah. You know, which I just had never made that connection before. Yeah.
2: Um, but like books, we uh, is like a very a fairly old technology that we still use. Yeah. Like constantly. Yeah. It's just cool to me. Yeah,
1: books, good. Yeah, we're here that say that on our film
2: podcast. Books, good. Books fucking good. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, by volume, and I'm not doing the pun thing, but just like all books, there's a lot of bad books. Oh, but the t- the book itself, good.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Just like the object of the book, good. Yeah.
1: Um. <laughs> I, anyway, so um, where the hell were we in the in this movie? Oh, so so so. Uh, Yasna brings the the grandmother home, and Kone is like, we need to repay this debt to Yasuna. And in this moment, it is revealed to the foxes um, that Doman and, and the court are sort of also hunting Yasuna. And so in a, like... <sighs> so there's, there's the theatrical element of they've got the kabuki fox masks on. And then we get into a sort of, like, thing you can only do in cinema um, it, where they transform into, like, Will-o'-the-Wisp sort of things um, where they're like little fires floating around. That might be a thing you could do in theater.
2: Yeah. But there's also a thing that they're doing where they're fading to show the transformation. Yeah. They're fading. They couldn't really.
1: They fade to transform into like the will of the wisp sort of things. Um, And then um, they, they sort of attack Domon and the hunting party.
2: Yeah. And And they take the 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 little things, which are, you know, physical, they'll then have like that, blends into the animation of the part where all the foxes it's like a short little clip but it's great are just like bounding through the fields after the hunting party that are like capturing Yasuna yeah and then emerge out of the field as just like a bunch of like you know uh poor villagers with like Mm -hmm. you know a a pickaxe and Mm -hmm. uh and
1: they ta- they take the scroll the golden golden crow and they save yasuna and they they whisk him away
2: and, yeah. and... there's this great moment where uh the guy grabs the golden scroll from yasuna like finds it on him and holds it up in the air and then you get the like fox animation stealing it and and climbing up to the stair yeah st- uh animated invisible stair, stairs yeah I'm mean, gonna count yeah. it as the stairs, so it's still not gonna get that good of a rating because I kinda have to pretend those are stairs, but I'm making it the cover art because it's <laughs> fucking great. There are some other stairs,
1: but Um, so yeah, the foxes whisk Yasin on the scroll away, and the grandfather tells Cone, Hey, tend to his wounds, stay with him for a day or two until he comes with his senses, don't do anything stupid, definitely don't have a kid with him, that yeah. would be dumb.
2: Remember that love between us and, and humans are forbidden. Yeah. And this she's is, like This is the thing with like foxes and uh, especially Japanese folklore, but it also occurs in some other he, folklore. He, he says that, sometimes they're like intentionally tricksters who are seducing people. And at other times, like they have genuine love, but that love is like always doomed.
1: He, sa- he says a line that goes hard as hell, which is, A debt is a debt, but a foe is still a foe. Which is so cool. Yes. <laughs> um, and so he's like, okay, do not fuck him. Do not.
2: Yeah. But tend to his wounds. No falling in love. No kinky stuff. Yeah. Bad news about that.
0: Yeah.
1: And she's like, oh, he's so hot. I, def- <clears throat> I won't fuck him. He's just really hot and I'll just be blushing
2: all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, we get this great moment when he's like... When she's, like, I think he he's still knocked out. Right, but right. But she's they, standing in the, like, with the fox mask and everything.
1: Yes. And real quick, she's like, I will pose as Kuzunoha because he's sweet on Kuzunoha. No, yeah. She does not know that he's sweet on Kuzunoha because he thinks Kuzunoha is Sakaki. They don't know. The The, the grandfather's like, oh, just stay with him for a day or two until he's, like, get, has his wits back. Not yeah. realizing that that man's wits have been gone for a while now. Yeah. <laughs> and well, they ain't
2: coming back. Also part of this, because I think the, the grandfather also suggests. Uh-huh. Um, posing as Kuzanoa, but it being like. Yeah. Well, you saw that one girl who he seemed to be friends with. Yeah. And because you've seen her form, you can shift into it. Yeah. Um, So this is also like a way for you to be in this position where it could be friendly and then could part ways and then
1: Oh right and then the last part of the grandpa's plan is you tell him that like the authorities are looking for him and it'll just be a like that the authorities are looking for him and he needs to hide for a few days I'll tell the authorities um something else I forget what the but the, the but but um like the grandpa poses as a human and like throws the authorities off the scent somehow I, I don't remember yeah. exactly what his plan is
2: Um. anyway this is a great moment of her standing in the, the fox costume with the fox mask and then they do what would be like the actual costume change like quick costume change on stage where it just like pulls away down into the ground huh. and it's just the you know the, the same actress who played Sakaki and Kuzunoa there in the form of Kuzunoa with like Kuzunoa's outfit on yes it's a really good yeah. effect yeah um and then uh she goes to tend to his wounds the way that a fox would by licking his blood.
1: Yeah. We were but normal about that.
2: The the grandpa said no kinky stuff.
1: We were so normal
2: about that. The the movie's so normal about it. It definitely doesn't yeah. linger on it for a really long time. A really long and time. And show him like having uh facial expressions about it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um <laughs> facial expressions. Um, so then from there, it's like hard cut to a curtain and a hand reaches and pulls the curtain back while a singer starts to sing a song. It's so fucking rad yeah. as we sort of enter the last 20 ish minutes, maybe a little more, um, of the, uh, the final act of, of the movie, um, of, of, it, all of this is going to take place. So there's a curtain and you can see where people are going to walk up onto the stage and they're on a stage. You can see like the edge and yeah. everything.
2: And to this point, all of the sets have been made with some amount of verisimilitude. Mm. You know, even when they sometimes feel like, oh, you're doing like a more realistic and like, doing it on a big film set so you can shoot this. You're still like positioning the, the like front of the building to be similar to like the way that a kabuki stage is arranged or whatever. Yeah, Like there's still ways that stuff is evoking stages, but there is still like a film set Mm -hmm. and what that means for like trying to seem like reality. Yeah. This is like the cliffs and the trees are just the things that you would paint in the theater that yeah. when i like did theater stuff i was you know one of the ones in the back and i did set design and, and like, i was like painting you know a, a golden statue for the king and i or whatever
1: and like paintings on uh, background paintings for films especially of this era are meant to be seen at at specific angles that trick the viewer into thinking yeah. there's more there
2: whereas these are like wooden cutouts positioned as well the way yeah. that you would on a stage.
1: Like it's yeah. fully
2: just the because you stage can, set
1: design. You can't trick somebody in theater. Yeah. They know they're in the theater. They're sitting there.
2: Yeah. You know? <laughs> and so you only, your only intention is to give them the sense of the space. And yeah. so like the, the wooden house that they're living in. Is like clearly like stuff that has been painted to look like old wood.
1: And there's a there's like no fourth wall on the house. Yeah, there's an implication of a fourth wall, but it's not there so that you can sit in the audience and see into the home. Yeah, you know,
2: and we remain like basically like every single camera shot, I think it would be an audience position looking at the stage, Mm -hmm. even as it like zooms in a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And there's one part where they really want to get the side of Uh the building. And they, they use that turning part again. Yeah. And it literally just turns the entire building so you're seeing the side of it for, right. that, like, one shot. Yeah. And then it turns back.
1: Yeah. So in this, we get the, the stage, or we get the the story of, like, Yasuna and um, Kone's marriage. Um, Kone posing as both Kuzunoha and Sakaki is sort of like... she She's... But-
2: it seems like in this relationship he talk he refers to her as kuzunoa yes like in the additional layer right right he she... is now no longer seeing kuzunoa as Sakaki mm. he's seeing the the fox as kuzunoa right and they're yes. able to now yes, like yes, yes, yes finally with that they are able to have the relationship
1: and they have a child um we you know we fast forwarded like 10 months they have a child and um he's like, oh, I want to go show your parents our our baby, and she's coming up with excuses for why they can't do that. And he's like, I have the scroll. I need to go show the prince the scroll and interpret it. She's like, oh, I can't do that. Why can't she do that? Well, a stinger helpfully informs us that to get to where the prince is, they would have to go through fields, and this time of year, fields are trapped with delicious fox treats for foxes, um... And she couldn't resist and so no we cannot we cannot go because I couldn't possibly resist all those treats.
2: <laughs> this is really hard for foxes to resist fox treats for foxes. Um and so she No she... gummy lasts long in this house.
1: <laughs> no gummy lasts long in my house either.
2: Yeah, but i I'm a fox. Yeah. You're a cat. Those are cat treats for cats.
1: Uh, Those are mostly Nora treats for Nora. Oh, yeah.
2: Those are wizard gummies. (laughs) Those are wizard gummies. (laughs) (laughs) Little tinctures in the form of a gummy. Yeah. Um, (laughs) To take and ponder. It's weed, everybody. It's weed. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure she's pondering her gummies right now as we speak. It's Friday night. This is what she does. I love her. Anyway. Um, so she's like, oh, we definitely can't do that either. Hey, hey, babe, why don't you go cut some wood? And he's like, oh, I love cutting wood. Yeah, I'm easily re- redirected. My, <laughs> I'm kind of no thoughts had empty. And if you put something in front of me, I'll go do that thing now.
2: I mean, I have finally achieved the thing that I've been yearning for this entire play. Uh, and no complications yeah. will occur. Yeah. I am just in love with a woman, a woman who I no longer see as the wrong woman, but I only see as the correct woman, Kuzunoha.
1: Yeah. So he goes out into the woods to chop some trees. A while he's gone, she does like, like, oh, he forgot to close the door behind him. I will use my fox magic to close it at a distance. you know. Yeah. Um, and she's taking care of the baby. And as she's weaving and taking care of the baby, um, Shoji and the real Kuzunoha, and um, uh, I feel like it's some we
2: see like some scouts who discover it first, and then yes, yeah, yes. and then Lord Shoji comes along.
1: Yeah, there's some scouts who see it and they see her doing fox magic. Yeah, and they're like, Oh shit. So they go and tell Shoji, and Shoji and Kuzunoa and um, Kuzunoa's mother show up, and Kuzunoa's mo- mother goes and sees uh, Kone and is like, I don't even know which one's the real Kuzunoa. Like, I, the mother, cannot even tell. Which one is the real one in this moment? You yeah.
2: Know? Oh, this is the other thing. So the the grandfather went and told the authorities that he had been spirited away by the... He was going to yes. say spirited away by the foxes. And he's like, Mm-mm, that's actually kind of what's happening. Spirited away by the gods. Yes. Yeah. Yes. This will also tie into how they interpret what's happening. Yes.
1: So... uh uh, what's his name? Yasna comes back, and he's like, "Oh, you're playing a prank on me."
2: Yeah, because she's acting. You know, Kuzenova has just arrived and is behaving as if she's just arrived and yeah. hasn't seen him in forever. Just um,
1: arrived, fell in love with him while he was gone, and
2: definitely has not had a baby. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's like, "Oh, what a prank you got here! And with like time to spare, you got dressed up in the you know yeah." Lord Shroji brought, like, your... Your finery. Your finery, and you decided to put it on, and you would, you would all play a prank on me and pretend yeah. that you just happened to launch. And then he
1: goes, and they're like, no, but there is a woman in there who looks exactly like Kuzunoa, and they think that he's been living with the ghost of Sakaki. Yeah. Um, and he uh, just breaks in this moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Cone reveals... I was a fox the whole time. I didn't know how to tell you. Um, I have to leave now that you know my secret and you have to raise the baby by yourself. Um, and the singer is like, baby, don't ever grow up and do anything that will get me made fun of. Because if you're ever made fun of, everyone will find out you're a fox, actually. Yeah. Um, Thank you, singer. I really I, I'm kind of poking fun at the singer. I really enjoy the singer. Yeah. It's a really great element of this film. Yes.
2: Um, which is also a thing taken from these styles of play. Yeah.
1: but And then she does a really cool thing, which you yeah, tell this me. Yeah,
2: is, this is like one of the big famous things from the broader play, Um, which I haven't checked on this. Some of these can be like performed overnights because yeah. they, they can get very long. So um, she's
1: holding the baby and she picks up a brush with her mouth and she has to write backward on this like screen door yeah um like if you truly love me go here at this time um and uh like kuzunoha will be weeping or something like that it it, it might say in this last paragraph of this very nice summary that's been very helpful thank you random wikipedia editor yeah no, i don't
2: know if it actually it here
1: um yeah she writes something about like if you truly love me do this um uh, we won't see him do that because the movie's about to end, but that's fine. Uh, well,
2: also, uh, in his grief, he turns into a stone.
1: Right? Yeah, he turns into a stone. Right. So, um, <clears throat> she writes it, and she disappears. The whole house comes down. Everything comes down. In the background, um, what like a fence or something flips and becomes grass. And it was revealed it was all a sort of fox charade. Um, the baby is over there in the grass and in the in the house coming down there was a flame and a little white fox puppet just floats away. Whee! It's so cute. It's also adorable that in this moment they go for unrealistic little fox puppet sort of flying yeah. away on a string There's when this... earlier we had this beautiful animated sequence. Yeah.
2: There's this way that you could you could see that maybe when they perform this play that's what they would do in the other sequences too where they need to have the foxes leaping because uh-huh. they'd have these little on-string puppets that they'd move around or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, with the, the earlier stuff where they are trying to do more of the verisimilitude, yeah, they would then go to animation to create that effect. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, you just get the... All right. You, everything in this s- sequence, aside from the fade that's about to happen at the very end, uh-huh. um, is just how it would be if it was on a stage and you are watching yeah. it and you, they recorded a performance, you know?
1: And so basically everybody's real confused about what's happening. And Yasuna, um, in his grief becomes a stone and the, and the narrator informs us: never fall in love. Love is emptiness. And then yeah. the end as, as a little, as a little flame dances over the stone that is Yasuna.
2: Yeah. Which maybe they're together forever as a, a weird stone and yeah. And flame. Love is emptiness. Yeah. This movie rocks. Yeah. This movie's fucking great. Um, Part of what, what's, like, I I love this movie a lot. It's just one of those things where I'm like, a lot of the stuff that you get from, like, analyzing what's happening in the story or whatever is just like, well, it's just the play. There's a right. certain amount to which I talk about this where I'm like, yeah, this play must own. I would love to watch this play. Like, and yeah. they're kind of just doing it. But I also think it's... Part of why I especially love the film is the way that it will... It's so often doing the play, but mm-hmm. how much do they surface that to you? You know? there. I think there's, like, intentional meaning that the, the life that he gets to live that is, like, the happiest that we ever see him uh-huh. in the entirety of the film <sighs> is... The part that is always reminding you the most intensely, like, uh, this is artificial. This is a play because he is living this artificial illusory life. Yeah. Um, and there's like this weird tension that happens between, uh, on one end, we are showing you like the actual real experience of watching the, the play which makes it in some ways more real than like the trickery of the camera. Mm -hmm. Like the trickery has faded away. Mm -hmm. We are just showing you a play being performed. Mm -hmm. We're showing you all of the uh, theatrical tricks that you would do um, where the, the illusion, we're not trying to preserve the illusion of the cinema at all, Mm -hmm. but it's also emphasizing the unreality of the, the life he's in because you're not doing the verisimilitude. You are doing this like unreal space. Uh huh. But there's like a, a tension that happens between those. Uh huh. Um, where is this the most real mm. that the movie gets, or is it the least real?
1: Yeah. Well, and and the 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 singing narrator, um, like provides you like through sort of abstract lyrics. You know, he's singing about um, like. Sometimes he's singing very directly like this happened. And sometimes he's singing like, "Yeah, Oh, in, in the neighbor's garden, I've thought there was a full, a, a ripe persimmon tree. And so I went and looked in the neighbor's garden and you sort of get out of that. Like it's direct, it's obvious, but it's like, he's not really talking about a persimmon. He's talking about his jealousy, you know? Yeah. And so, and, and, and you know, the, there's the, a lot
2: of like interiority for characters too, that, yeah, would happen as voiceover if you were going to do it in a film.
1: Yeah, there's there's an access and an immediacy that comes through this like abstracted layer of the singer, you know. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, it's just it's it's fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, and it's, you know, uh, what here is real? Well, none of it's real. You know, it's a piece of art. None of it's yeah. real. What is the thing that you? Get out of it. The thing I get out of it is jealousy, bad betrayal, bad um, court drama, fun. Love it. I love. I love when there is treachery in the courts. Yeah. <laughs> I I would hate to get betrayed. I love watching other people get betrayed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is kind of the, the thing that we were talking about last time with Black Orpheus. Is that the, this movie sort of like? Uh, I want to say accessible makes accessible like the myth uh, as a, as a story form makes um, because to, to me being, you know, the age that I am, I'm very, I kind of grew up like being like, Oh, old stories are so dumb and all the time they're stuffy and they don't know. They don't know how to like tell stories good. And this, this movie is like, no, like there's, there's something like, cool and fundamental at the core of like very old stories that just made them survive. And we're sort of presenting a very old thing in a way that maybe makes it easy for you, a a younger person to digest the the story being told, you know? Yeah.
2: And I think also there's a, there's like an intentional way that the beginning of this movie There's some cool stuff with, like, the scroll at the beginning, but that's not that uncommon for movies Mm -hmm. in general to have this sort of, like, uh, introductory thing that's going to be a little bit more creative or whatever because it's Mm -hmm. how you're going to start your film and set up some backstory.
1: The Lord of the Rings... The Bakshi Lord of the Rings does this, you know? It has, like, a a Prince Ahmed, like, shadow play to intro the
2: movie. Yeah. Um, And then a lot of what you fall into at the beginning does just kind of feel like a a, like 60s jidaigaki yeah film that would exist yeah uh all of that is obviously nodding to the theatrical roots with the way that some of the stuff is like blocked and performed Mm -hmm. um but it's playing that a lot more just like cinematically
0: Mm
2: -hmm. uh with the normal way that like movies of this time would be doing it Uh uh-huh and then you get this like thing that feels like uh, bizarre and experimental in the like explosion of yellow and that performance but that is also a very theatrical like the song would happen and the character would dance to express their emotions Mm -hmm. while the song is talking about the emotions that they're going through and so like leans more into theatrical but also gets weirder and more experimental in this way of like Mm ah stuff's happening here and then it becomes like more and more willing to just pull things directly from the theater Mm -hmm. um in a way that like brings you more into oh wow in a way that like you can be really impressed with how some special effects happen in like a tokusatsu or something here you're like Damn, movies do, like, or, like, a, a theatrical play does a quick change, like, outfit like that? That was fucking wild. I can't believe that you just do that. Like, you, know you just what? filmed, like, the process of just literally pulling it away.
1: You know what it reminds me of now that I think about it? Um, I talked a couple months ago about the Lawrence Olivier Henry V on this show, which does a really cool thing. The opening of the movie um, has a, like... Helicopter heavy air quotes. There, shot of like this diorama of of ye olden London town of Shakespearean days, yeah. you know. Um, and they 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 pull in on this model of the globe, and you go in, and it's like this very obviously like um like cinematic like mini miniatures being filmed as a like cinematic technique, and the 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 first act of Henry V in that movie is um you are seeing Olivier and all of them do a play in this fake globe theater and sometimes the camera is like moving backstage and you're seeing the actors like get ready and stuff and then for me that movie loses a lot of interest because as you interact too as Henry v goes across the sea to do a crusade or whatever yeah he's doing a crusade or he's fighting the French. I don't fucking remember. It doesn't matter. Um, I think he's fighting the French.
2: Some sort of conquest.
1: Some sort of conquest. Um, as, as once, once the army goes off across the sea, it becomes a normal movie. It's like, you know, camps and fields and like camera angles. You know, it's not just like people watching a play. It's, you know, it's like just a movie. And for me, that movie lost a lot of interest once it does that. There's still good stuff, obviously. Like Henry V does his big Henry V monologue at a certain point, and you're like, "Damn, Lawrence Olivier can act." <laughs> yeah, but 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 this movie sort of does the opposite, and I think it makes it more interesting as it goes along to me. Yeah, you know, by moving in the opposite direction of moving toward theater near the end rather than away from theater.
2: Yeah, and for me, rewatching this movie. <clears throat> I mean I I enjoy the entire movie, but we were in that first part and I was like, Man, I'm just waiting for when they get to like when we get to the big yellow yeah. song and dance. Yeah. Cause once that happens, then we're like in the fucking movie. Yeah. We're into like why I love this. Yeah, totally. The which movie... is also the, the experience when I watched it the first time too, which is you know, I bought it randomly from an aerosale, so I was like, I bet I would be into this. It's about a fox somehow. Yeah. And it's some sixties Japanese movie and yeah. it looks kinda weird. Can I... Um
1: you finish your sentence, then I'm going to ask okay. the
2: question. Uh, and I put it on one night, and it was kind of, you know, the movie was happening, and I was like, oh, there's some, like, cool, like, the colors. They're doing some good, like, interesting saturation sometimes. Whatever. This is also kind of just, like, a a stuffy g Jidaigaki. I don't know why this, like, in particular, they chose to preserve, but Arrow does a lot of stuff. And mm. then I just hit that, and I was like, what the fuck is this movie? Yeah. When the when the song yeah. happened. Yeah. And then everything after that, I was like, this movie's fucking incredible. Yeah. I think I I think it was my favorite movie I watched that like for the first time that year. Yeah. So. Um, mark
1: this real quick. Can I can I tell a toddler story real quick?
2: Sure. I, I mean, wanted I to, can cut it if
1: I wanted to leave you the option of cutting it. I just wanted to share this quick toddler story with um the listeners. As I th- I, I I sense that we're getting toward the end of this conversation. Maybe. Yeah. Um, today w- the the Blu-ray case at least was sitting on a table. And, and your toddler picked it up and was like, what's this show? And I was like, oh, that's the Mad Fox. It's boring, you wouldn't like it. Mama and I like uh, boring movies where people get sad and then die. And your toddler said to me, you were, you were in the other room getting something ready. Your toddler looked at me dead in the eye and was like, Autumn, I want you to get sad and die. <laughs> And then, like,
2: sat on my lap is like, let's play Mang Tiles. Uh They do not have the concept of death in their head. They don't know what that really means. They, their concept of death is
1: that sometimes I'm not really, like, thinking about what I'm saying and will be like, Oh, somebody killed me in Smash Bros. Oh, I just died in Smash Bros. Like that is their concept of death is falling off the stage in Smash Bros. Yeah.
2: I also know they don't have like a real concept of what that means. I mean, one, there's not been like any scenario yeah. really where they've encountered it as like somebody in their life. Yeah. Or like a pet or anything. <clears throat> but also, I mean, this is this is a um you know a little more of a a ways away. Uh, timeline-wise than this Smash mm-hmm. Brothers stuff. When we watched SD Gundam Force, there's mm-hmm. a part towards the end where there's like a time skip to the future, and you see like all of the like robots that my kid cares about because they watched SD Gundam Force seemingly dead in like a junkyard. Hmm. No emotional reaction. <laughs> uh, the you know the main boy shoot goes, and there's Captain Gundam just like fully deactivated, like kind of broken down doesn't care that that this is like that this has happened uh-huh. and then like by i forget exactly if it's like maybe powered by the whatever friendship core thingy forget uh-huh. what it was called but uh captain gundam starts rising up but then we you know we've learned that part of the reason why that's happened was that like all of them turned against the humans and so then like captain gundam is like trying to attack shoot mm-hmm. uh and at this point my toddler gets sad and says I don't think they're friends anymore. <laughs> this is death, death, not sad. Friendship's ending.
1: So that's, adorable. That's,
2: that's what it is to be a small child.
1: I mean, they're right. Yeah. One of these days, I will be sad and I will die.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: I'm sad constantly, and sooner or later, I'll die. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't know why this is sad constantly. <laughs> Got me, but it did. Um, anyway, yeah, this movie is great. Well, so the one thing that uh, mm. specifically while we were talking about, it, I didn't even think about when I when I saw it. Both times that I've watched the movie, and there's the part where because you get like a return to the the yellow mm-hmm. song, right? For a little yeah, bit. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Because because the 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 stage comes down, the white fox floats away, and then you cut. I think to him back in that yellow field sort of representing his madness. Yeah. And he lays down in the yellow field and becomes The Rock.
2: Yeah, and then it fades back to, on the set, The Rock. Yeah. Um, that's sort of vaguely in the shape of, like, him laying down. mm mm-hmm. um, And then there's the little, like, you know, as you said, the, like, foxfire light. Yeah. Bouncing around. And both times that I watched it, I was like, oh, he just, like, is so overwhelmed by the sadness of the loved loves lost that he just like dies. Mm-hmm. He just turns into like becomes so sad. He doesn't even just die. He just turns into a stone of sadness forever. Mm-hmm. Um, But w- when I was then talking about what's happening with like the reality versus the unreality, when you get more and more theatrical at the end, uh-huh. there's, I then had this moment when we were talking of like, is this actually him having gone... And I'm sure the play could provide more of an answer to this. Maybe it doesn't. But is this actually him having gone to see her? And what that means is... Like, he cho- he decided that he really did love her and went to right. see her. And that means that now, the way that they are together is... Yeah. He is in the form of the rock and she is in the form of the... Yeah. That the, would the, make sense. The fire. Yeah.
1: What happened to that kid?
2: Um... Probably. Yasuna just said, fuck them kids. Yeah. Yasuna did say, fuck them kids. Maybe uh, Kuzunoa adopted yeah. the kid. She did seem I, game for that. I should like read or find some way to do more of this play because there's also elements of this that, one, I've read like a number of stuff that's related to like Kitsune and Fox stuff that I think pulls from some of the stuff from this play uh-huh. broadly. Um, but also, I know that Kuzunoa is a name is linked to foxes mm. um, in some ways. And I don't know if it's just from this or if it's like maybe she adopts the kid and so then she has this half fox child that she adopts. And so then like, yeah, I don't know. Um, what do you...
1: There's an Akuzunawa in Naruto, but I can't remember anything um i might i might not there's like there's like um <clears throat> there's a lot of like fox mythology in Naruto that um Kishimoto is a master of i just i just took some mythology shit and turned it around into my own thing because i thought it was cool i didn't actually like care about sort of being true to the mythology in any way <laughs> uh, not that you need to be yeah so the- you know i'm i'm not here to tell Kishimoto uh like, you know, oh you do, you didn't respect
2: the you know, whatever, blah blah blah. So so can I obviously there are multiple ways that I know about Kuzunoa and foxes. Mm-hmm. Because I, I like foxes a lot. Can I can I confess the embarrassing way? Yeah. So in Shinvigami Tensei, <sighs> there's a there's a man named Kuzunoa Raido. Mm-hmm. And within the legend, I think is descended from like a fox clan, or has like Kitsune blood somewhere, or something. I forget the exact details. i
1: shaking my head at you.
2: Um, but yeah, there's like a, a sh- in Inari shrine, uh, kuzuno Inari shrine in uh, Izumi, which is also the poem. Yeah, um, the, the poem
1: is like go to yeah. yeah I they
2: the poem itself has become famous, so that. In Izumi, there is a Kusanoha Inari shrine said to have been built upon the place at which Kusanoa departed, leaving her farewell poem on a silk screen. The poem itself has become famous. Uh, Koyashiku ba, I'm not going to try and read all that. But if you love me, darling, come and see me. You will find me yonder in the great wood of Shinoda of Izumi province, where the leaves of arrowroots always rustle in pensive mood. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what she writes on the in. Yeah, the play in in this, um, yeah, there's like an actual shrine there and stuff. That's cool. So, but this is interesting because I I'm looking at the Wikipedia article for Kusanoha, and they're talking about the what would be cone in the movie, I think. Uh huh. So, because um, it also says a popular kitsune character in Japanese folklore. Hmm. Um. But um yeah so this figures in I think this is the broader um, play which is the courtly mirror of ashia Doman um, hmm. and yeah the fourth part Kuzunoa or the white fox of Shinoda. So
1: oh interesting.
2: the fourth part
1: uh, white fox, which is frequently performed independently of the other scenes focuses on her story. So this is perhaps like the, this movie, the mad Fox is perhaps just adapting the most popular parts of the play. Yeah. Cause this is like three parts of a five part thing. It seems like maybe.
2: Yeah. I think it's three parts.
1: It's also just interesting knowing, um, that his next movie after this is a three hours and change movie. <laughs> yeah. So I guess this was successful enough that they were like, yeah, you can go longer next time.
2: Yeah. Um, um, there's also a title of uh, "Love Thy Name Be Sorrow." Um, I think the the actual Japanese title is like hard to translate because uh, so there's like lots of repeating of of love here, but uh, Koya koi nasuna koi" mm-hmm. is the the Japanese title, and I lo- tried to look up what it fully translates to at some point, and it seemed like it was kind of a hard to translate phrase. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Movie's good. Uh, stairs. Um, How do we want to
1: consider this? There's... A-Fox is animated jumping up invisible stairs. Now, in the past, we have awarded invisible stairs highly with Only Yesterday. But I also, feel this one's a far more bit...
2: explicit in Only Yesterday as being stairs that she's running.
1: Up. Yeah, this is a little more interpretive. So, outside of that, there's some nice stairs... There's like five steps, kind of leading from like the ground to like the 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 room where the emperor and his council are.
2: Yeah, there's the part where um, Sakaki goes up to them.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna I, I'll let you kind of like lead the way on this because I I really don't have a good read on like how I'm feeling right now about this.
2: I mean, I feel like I mean, I let me look at what we did before. I'm gonna look at what what I did, um, when we did this. Wait, did we not? Was that not? You're last
1: typing year? White Fox. Isn't that the name of the movie? Is
2: Mad Fox. Mad Fox. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did a D plus. I think it's like a C C+. That's what I was feeling. Uh, because yeah. D plus, I didn't include that animation. I think that yeah. pushes it up a little. Yeah, I'm I'm good with a C plus. Yeah. Still not, like, a great stairs thing, but... That that taking the scroll and jumping up into the sky is cool. Yeah. And it it's a little bit more thematic than just walking up the stairs for the... Yeah. The Emperor.
1: Well, next time, as we discussed, we'll be back with Man with a Movie Camera. I think...
2: I bet. I don't remember, but I bet there's some cool-ass stairs I in bet, there somewhere. I bet, I bet.
1: I'm not worried about the stairs in Man with a Movie Camera. Um, And, yeah, I think me like Sunday you and me let's sit down and figure out like the next three movies after that just so we have them on deck and we don't have to worry about it yeah <clears throat> um but
2: yeah um where can people find you online you can find me at Fox Mom Nia on mm-hmm. Twitter and co-host you like foxes I didn't know that from
1: listening to this podcast.
2: I'm going to do a thing that I basically don't do on podcasts. Because most general public doesn't get the full brunt of my my Fox stuff. (laughs) Cackers. You can find me on Twitter. Oh, wait. You didn't actually finish your plugs. I was just going to say, check out my other podcasts. Uh, Mentioned Around the Long Fire. We're taking a week break. Um, So if you're listening to this in the Patreon feed... This week, there's not going to be an episode when you're hearing this. If you're listening to it in the the free feed, we are going to be back with Heimskringla, which is the history of the kings of Norway, uh, written by Snorri Sturluson, an Icelander, mm-hmm. way back in, you know, still kind of an evil period. Um, and listen to Putin and Ghost Divers. We're like really into really in the middle of Iron Blooded Orphans now. You can
1: find me on Twitter at autumnal underscore coffee. Uh, exportodd.io takes you to the Patreon page. Um, we got links there. dollar a month gets you a bunch of stuff early. Five dollars a month gets you stuff early. Um, off week for franchise next week. I'm very tired. I, want to, I don't want to do the full spiel. But exportodd.io to get plugged into everything we've got going on. Yeah. Um, and I, I, there might be another episode of ours Arcanum that gets recorded tomorrow. There was that... Uh,
2: Brandon Sanderson profile feels generous. Um, do you know anything about this? Yeah, I read it after various people were talking about. It's it's kind of weird. It's a
1: weird fucking piece.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um. I we Nora and I this morning were like we got to do a podcast about this and my energy on it has waned but we might we might chit chat about it tomorrow morning before I go to work. Yeah. Um. So. Uh. And don't forget. Uh, so subscribe export odd.io/ Rzarcanum to get that conversation and then next month we'll be back to talk about whatever the next secret project book is um and, and and Brandon if you're listening to this Molly got her copy of Trust of the Emerald Sea I want mine I've read the book she hasn't yet she well she hasn't yet because she was waiting yeah. to get her copy of the book but th- I read it and I want my copy now please.
2: Uh, also, Brandon, if you're listening to this, uh, go on Ars Arcanum. I promise you they will be nicer to you than that Wired article. Brandon, I know I've said many mean things to you. I'm not
1: going to lie. I've said many mean things about you. I've said meaner things. You've said meaner things. I'll be nice on the podcast. I'd Truly, if I actually spoke to you, all the meanness would fade away if I was if I was speaking to you. I truly I'd be chill. I'd be a nice person. I would just want to make you feel comfortable. I just want to ask you some questions. I want all I want to know is what were your favorite fantasy books. That's all. I'm really relaxed about it, <laughs> and I want to maybe pick your brain about Elantris not being very good. That's about as mean as I'll get, is I just want you to say that Elantris is, has some problems.
2: <laughs> yeah. But I, I'll drop it if you don't want to talk about it. Brandon, uh, c- come through. There's one last plug. Mm-hmm. Uh, go on over and pre-order Cam's book.
1: Yes. Silversprocket.net, or just go to LittleGoodFrog on Twitter. Um, I'm sure Cam... Go to a underscore coffee because I plugged the shit out of that today. And I'm probably gonna keep doing it until September rolls
2: around. Nanahachi is real.
1: Nanahachi is real.
0: Love goes is dead.
2: Second, is tweeting on the podcast.
1: Well, I didn't know you were recording.
0: I'm
2: sitting here. The thing is, normally, I get to the the off week for around the Long Fire, and I'm like. Oh like I'm just—I enjoy routine so much. I think it's mm-hmm. part of it. But I'm like, oh, I wish we were recording tonight. Yeah, that's how. Like the first time I think we had an off week, we just like recorded a voip instead. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but this is me getting into the the non-homophobia zone. Yeah, my week has just been like busy. Um in a way where I'm just like looking forward to next week being a little lighter. Although I am going to have to do ghost divers two weeks in a row. Um, but yeah, cause this week, Monday I had off for my holiday, which was nice, except there was a number of chores to do around the house. And Emily's mom was visiting And so she was helping out cleaning, and I was like, I feel like I should be doing some cleaning, even though I'm just, like, off for my holiday. And I was, mm-hmm. you know, ideally, uh, of all, like, relatives who visit, Emily's mom's my, like, favorite. She comes the most often. Mm-hmm. She helps out a decent amount. Um She tends to be the most, like, considerate of me <laughs> compared to my relatives. Right. Um <clears throat> All of that. Um but there was, like, oh, if she wasn't here, I would just be, like, watching a movie. Uh-huh. I'd probably, like, bike while watching a movie. Yeah. And I would just bike for, like, an hour and a half and then shower or whatever. Yeah. Do stuff like that. Um. And instead, I was just sort of, like, I had an errand <coughs> that I had to run. Um, I was cleaning and stuff. I, I had a little bit of downtime, but I also used some of that to read Um, for around the long fire, so I just wouldn't have to worry about it the rest of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt like I did like more work on my holiday than I wanted to do. And then the next day I had to go to a trade show uh-huh. and I got to technically sleep in a little bit, which was nice. But then like I had to get downtown to where the trade show was. Um, it was trade shows are just like immensely stressful. Like they're, they're physically tiring cause you're just on your feet walking around all the time. Hmm. But they're also like, uh, overloading in a sensory way. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just like constant. Everybody's. It's if you've ever been to a convention, which I'm assuming number of people have. Yeah. Uh, it's similar to a convention mm-hmm. in terms of there's just people everywhere and everybody's talking and that's in and of itself loud. Mm-hmm. And then it's about industrial supplies, so there's just like a CNC machine. Cutting metal at high speed, just on a floor somewhere. Yeah, you know, like a section of it. There's just like power tools being used, right? And yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, just yeah. like incredibly. Oh, good. Yeah, that's
1: exactly what I wanted out of uh, like Gen Con or whatever was to um industrial supply. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> was
2: was drills. There was one part where we were walking around, and uh, I think somebody, like, some company probably sold, like, uh, pickers. You know, like, the the things where you, like, go way high up so you could, like, work on a light pole or, mm-hmm. you know, pick from a, a fruit tree or something. Um, and we were walking, and I didn't even notice because I was just so overwhelmed, but my my boss who I was walking around with uh, was, like... Do you think that, like, she works for them or they just forgot someone up there and there's just, like, a lady on top of a picker? <laughs> and then I was thinking about it, I was like, that'd be really nice, though. I'd go up on one of those and just stand there for, like, 20 minutes. Just above <laughs> everything. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Normally, I don't like being high up, but it just sounded so much better than... <laughs> <laughs> being in it in the moment. Yeah. Um, But we, we've, like, found some actual... Like, we could potentially uh pursue this thing which is rare at trade shows uh-huh. normally it's kind of just getting a general sense of where the industry's at um what are what do people care about and then also like looking for like oh we're not going to sell this big fancy high tech thing cuz that's not it's going to be like a big engineered sale it's not going to work with our our company strategy and stuff like that but maybe there's some idea in there that's pointing us to stuff that like customers care about and we can do something that's going to be like simpler for the job shop or whatever mm. you know um anyway i won't talk too much more about company strategy <laughs> stuff but it was a lot of like thinking about that stuff while also just in the most overwhelming environment and then like afterwards there's always a happy hour which is Nice, because it's just like, oh, okay, well, like we all get to just hang out, but it's still like a work event. Hmm. Uh, and so, like, I had a couple of Negronis and then went home. But also, the place that we were at had chairs, but fucking nobody was sitting. Uh huh. And I was like, I guess I'm gonna have to like walk or something anyway, right? Yeah. Uh, to like get to something. So I don't want to sit down. I guess I understand when people are standing because when you've been on your feet all day when you sit down for like an hour and then you stand up, it's worse than if you just stood for the hour. Right. Yeah. You know, your feet are just like, no, I thought we were done. Uh huh. Um. So I just stood the whole time too. Uh huh. Um. And then I tried to, to catch a lift home. I was like, mm, my feet are, I'm like really overwhelmed. I don't really want to get onto a train right now. I was thinking I'd do that, but I have to walk like 15 minutes to the train, blah, blah, blah. I'll just call a lift Um, we live in Chicago, Mm -hmm. the Kennedy expressway, uh, is currently doing a bunch of construction that started like on Monday. Right. Um, as we were leaving normally from like downtown to where, like uh, where I live, we would take Lakeshore drive. Right. There was a massive accident on a Lakeshore drive, and so Ugh. it was just backed up. So then the Lyft driver was like, Well, instead of us trying to like slowly move through this, I'm gonna go over to the expressway. The
0: uh-huh. expressway
2: was also a mess.
0: Oh, and
2: so you're we going on the expressway, and it was just uh, awful, especially the, the like to get into the other because there's multiple expressways you have to like move through. Right. Um and the one that I we don't think I've to, ever gotten on Kennedy actually I yeah, said right I don't the, think I've done that at all doing the like transfer from downtown from one to the other was also super backed up so he's like we'll go to and just go up at
0: mm-hmm.
2: um which is just like a a major thoroughfare uh and that took a while so it was like even it took longer than if I just taken the train yeah. So like I got back like when bedtime for my toddler should have started. Ugh. So I've, i I um, I was
1: just um I was feeling anxious just before the podcast because like um I'm just in a weird spot where um I'm getting I'm getting scheduled for more hours at work. Which means I'm working about the same amount as I used to, because I it used to be that they would schedule me, you know, 28 hours, and I would still work 38. Yeah. But I had to go looking for that other 10 hours. Now I'm, like, just scheduled, you know, 37, 38 hours a week-ish. Um, and then, like, Saturday was a hell day. Sunday was a really hell day. Monday was pretty normal. Tuesday was pretty normal. Wednesday we had the strike, which I might have talked about on the last episode. No, no, no. I've been talking about it on Xbox. You tweeted
2: about it. You can you can plug yeah. the
1: a tunnel underscore coffee um to to see all the information about the strike at the Lincoln Village Starbucks and um, solidarity with all our other um, <clears throat> people. Uh, Clarken Ridge was on strike. I used to work there. Um, uh, Broadway and Devon was on strike. Um, uh, the Evanston store apparently was opened by scabs. So that sucks. That fucking sucks ass. We we were lucky. Um, our store, no scabs. Clark and Ridge, same deal. Uh, as far as I know, Broadway and Devon, same deal. So that was good. Um, <clears throat> uh, fuck this company. <laughs> uh, I've been really... I've just been talking about it on podcasts in a way, this week in a way I usually don't. Yeah. Um, it's fine. Anyway, I, uh, yeah, I was, I'm just, I was, I'm feeling a little anxious just as we were getting into the podcast, just cause I'm like, worked a lot, read a book I really liked. Um, and I, I really liked devil house. And then the ending was like kind of bad, which is literally the opposite of what I said on the podcast last week. Because on the podcast last week, I was like, oh, man, usually the middle of his book is kind of bad, and then he sticks the landing. This time, total opposite, where, like, he kind of flubbed the ending, I feel like. João and I had a really good um, conversation about it. We were texting back and forth to where I think we both got a little warmer on the ending in discussing it. Yeah. But I think he really flubbed the ending, ultimately. It's fine. It's still, like, a five-star book. Like, who cares? But anyway... Um, I watched some movies, but it was all for podcasts. Um, after the strike on Wednesday, um, I went home and I did dishes and I bought groceries and I, I cooked on Wednesday. I made a huge, huge tray of mac and cheese that we've been eating. And then on Thursday, I also did, um, a a big pot of soup that Nora and I have been eating. So we've been eating good. I've been doing a little better with keeping the apartment clean. Not great, but we're improving. Um and um, you know, I uh Thursday I was just working all day. I had a bunch of podcasts and a bunch of like, like I say, I made made food and cleaned and um, you know, um I had a really, really nice day Thursday. Um, I guess that's that was yesterday. It feels like two years ago. Yeah. Um, and then I came over here. Um, and we watched Mad Fox, and I fell asleep. We had a wonderful time. Uh, the meal was very good. I did bag end, uh, which was a lot of fun. Um, and today I like met up with an old coworker from when I used to live in St. Louis, and we went to a restaurant that's like. Literally a five minute walk from my house that I've never been to and it was really fucking good. Pick Me Up Cafe. Have you been there? I don't think so. It's really good. Yeah. It's really good. It's like diner vibes, but like it's in Andersonville. So like not like Waffle House diner, like diner diner where we have cool fun decor, you know, yeah. um, like hipster decor. Uh, and I got like a chicken bacon ranch wrap that was just really good. Good fries. Um, it, it's like it's like diner food, but it doesn't feel all greasy, you know. Yeah. Um, like my French fries were like actually dried off a little bit before they were brought to me. It wasn't just like a, a pile of grease and potatoes. Um, not. This is not me in any way shaming a pile of grease and potatoes because sometimes that's what you want. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, I can't talk about like I. <laughs> Chris and I were catching up about the Bruce Springsteen concert he went to and how he's going to go see three Wilco shows in three days. Um, there's like a 2% chance that Chris is listening to this if you are. Hi, Chris. Uh, um, <clears throat> he's, he's at Chris Tucker on Twitter. <laughs> Which never ceases to amuse me. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, he just he got there first. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's just, I've, I've, I've had a really good week, but I've been really fucking busy <laughs> and I'm tired and none of the shit I've done like, is really like stuff I can talk about on a podcast. I can talk about Devil House a little more. I can like kind of get into breaking that down if we want. Um, cause I think it's really interesting. I think people who listen to this will probably be interested in Devil House kind of. Same way, same way I would like, not to the same extent, but I think if you like the type of movies that we cover on stairwells, you will, you will like Devil House. Um, but, caveat, I'm saying that a hundred times more for Just Like Home. Um Truly, I know I really gave it a hard sell on that one episode, I don't remember which one, but if you like the movies we cover on this podcast... You've got to read Just Like Home. <laughs> that book is fucking fantastic. <laughs> um, you you borrowed it for, on Libby, and you're, um, it returned after like 14 days or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, let me get you my password. I you saw have done that. It's fine. It's fine. I was just like, yeah. let me get you my password on Libro, because I bought it on Libro. It, people, if you listen to audiobooks, please unsubscribe from Audible and go support Libro.fm. You can like send money to local bookstores instead of Amazon. It's the same service, except you're supporting local bookstores in your area and not Amazon. (laughs) It's the exact same service. Authors get a better cut. Um, Like, please go cancel your Audible subscription. That's my pitch to you. Uh, And If you work for Libro and you're listening to this, Call me. We don't do ad ad deals on export. That's never a thing I've sought out. But sometimes I think about getting touch, getting in touch with Libro about, like, I just believe in your product. And I would sell it more on podcasts if you paid me to sell it on podcasts. <laughs> anyway. Um, um, But, yeah, Devil House was pretty good. And that's, like, the only thing I've done all week that I can talk about on this show. And it's not a movie. Yeah. You know? Because, like, the other shit I've done, I watched Highland of the Source. That shit was fucking um, I watched The Lord of the Rings, good movie, great stairs. We could talk about that, uh, in segment one when we get there. Um, The Mad Fox, which we're going to do. And like I say, I really enjoyed Mad Fox, um, but I fell asleep during it yesterday and then I had to rewatch it at 2x speed today. <laughs> um, it's a really good movie, but I'm just like, I'm going to kind of come in here and just be a little burnt out this week and it it just sucks and I'm feeling a little anxious about it. And I'm I'm worried that the listeners will be like, "Autumn sounds a little burnt out." I'm unsubscribing from ornate stairwells. I'm I, I'm asking for a refund for my Patreon money, and that's not gonna happen. Everyone's gonna be fine, but that's just kind of where I'm at this evening mentally, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> um, Devil House.
2: Kent, yeah, you're after me going through my week, huh? You interrupted me going through my week. It's oh, fine. I like you do it. I'm sorry. But on my birthday I'm sorry. week.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. On my birthday week, I'm you interrupted sorry. me. I'm sorry. I'm to sorry. To talk I'm about sorry. your week.
2: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So anyway, I got back on Tuesday from the trade show.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I had to do Pouton
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, Basically, once I got that edited, I went to bed because I was tired. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Wednesday was Elf. Right. Uh I think you can tell uh M and I are both independently in different ways tired on that podcast. Could I can
1: I briefly say the M thing from today that was very funny? Okay. We finished recording Gotham. I was like, "Huh, the last episode in the feed is 62, but I have a thing in my folder saved as 63." And M was like, "Oh yeah, I think you didn't put up last week's episode and I just let it slide. (laughs) Yeah. I I think M made the right choice. I think if this roles were reversed, I would have done the same for them. It was just like, Oh my God, that's the sort of week this has been. Yeah. Um, anyway.
2: Um, and then I did do a little bit in the evening, but not too much. Mm -hmm. Um, and then Thursday was my birthday. Mm -hmm. Um, also part of this is just my birthday week is a is like a very mixed bag for me mm-hmm. uh, my birthday being just a thing that I have like built up trauma around that I'm trying to get over but that's also a process yeah uh, where it just doesn't like I can't just will it away yeah um but it was still nice I like uh woke up um my my kid knew that like it was going to be my birthday in the morning and so I think was excited and woke up early. Aww. And I slept in a little bit, but I still got up like earlier than I normally do like I slept a little bit past when they woke up
0: okay
2: um, not slept in a bit but mm-hmm. um, my day starts when toddlers awake so anytime yeah. I sleep beyond that I'm sleeping in <laughs> <laughs> anyway um yeah, so with all that or er, so my my toddler wakes up is very excited um and so like in the morning, it's like you have to open up your gifts. Mm-hmm. Um so I got I got two Gundampla mm-hmm. Um I have the RX seventy eight two. These are both the real grade ones. Um and Char Zaku two. Um the RX seventy eight two, uh aka Captain Gundam mm-hmm. was the one from my kid, mm-hmm. and then Char Zaku two, aka the red Zaku Zaku. Mm-hmm was from my cats, and Ollie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm impressed m- they they yeah. we were able to use their little paws to
1: navigate new type,
2: yeah, so um. My plan is to build both of them and then try as best as I can to recreate the shot at like the end of the first yeah. uh, series, where uh, they're it's when they're dueling and then it like goes into like a new type acid trip dream space and they're like embracing in that space, mm-hmm. um, like in flying in the air basically. Genuinely,
1: I don't know if Gundam has ever done anything I've liked as much as when Char and Amuro like. Crack each other's helmets Yes I I think that's the best moment in all of Gundam to me
2: Yeah And it's just like All the show is behind it But also it's really gay Yeah Yeah (laughs) Yeah I just like when it's gay and there's blood So I I want to position them that way Um, I had another friend who texted me And said that another Gundam is coming And I didn't know if that was just broadly like a Gunpla Or if it's another real grade RX-78-2 Because that is one that people know that I want uh but if that's the case, it'll still get used because I plan to some at some point get the um the xiang with the uh like shooting, mm-hmm. the last shooting one. Um Is it is it the xiang? I don't know. I had a moment where I wanted to call out the Sazabi. Um That's definitely wrong. Yeah. And I knew it wasn't that and then yeah, oh yeah, Xiang. I feel like it's it's supposed to be kind of the there's like a sound that I know from Chinese that's like a little bit of like Z and J. It's mm. like in that buzzing space. Like zhong. Yeah. I think it's I think it's supposed to be like that, but yeah. Because I've also seen it spelled with a J before. Mm. Sometimes. With like. But yeah, so the the last shooting one, um, if you have the same like real grades scale Rx 782, you can have like do the full thing of shooting the head and stuff. So, um yeah. There. So, I'll probably try to, you know, if I if I even if I don't get it as a gift, I'll probably at some point end up getting it. When getting I get another the last 782. Yeah, when I get the last shooting thing. So, I just want to do that at some point, but I don't want to take apart the uh, RX78-2 and the Zaku 2 embracing. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: I always call it the 782, even though I know it's wrong, and I can hear myself say it wrong in the moment, and I just can't stop it.
2: Yeah. Um, And then I got uh, two sweatshirts from Emily. Um, The one I'm wearing currently has, like, inhalers on it and says, cute but wheezy. (laughs) Um, And then the other one is, like, my head really hurts, but I'm... Or my head hurts, but I'm being really brave about it or something. Which is for my migraines, so... Mm -hmm. I got sweatshirts just to, like, uh, embody my disabilities, I guess, <laughs> in, like, cutesy ways. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and then, I mean, it was, it was a pretty nice day. Um, but, aside from the Mad Fox, I didn't really watch much stuff. Yeah. Um, and then, today, we're recording, so. Yeah. And, like, during the, the work day... Uh, because I had those two days off, one, I was just behind on podcasts. Uh-huh. So there's a certain amount of, like, I am going to catch up on podcasts. Um, I feel like something is, like, vaguely ringing as I talk. I don't know. Could be that empty yeah, liquid Yeah, it could death. be this empty can. I'm, like, talking directly at it, kind of. Yeah. Because I'm, like, talking in between where you are and the mic to try and right. yeah, yeah, split yeah. the difference. Makes sense. Um...
1: Yeah, I think that was it. Okay. Anyway. I didn't hear it, but it, it makes sense that it would bounce back at you more than it would at me. Yeah. So.
2: Um, if anybody else was like, is there a weird ringing sound? I guess that was it. Yeah. Glad it wasn't in the main episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, But so some of it was I was just trying to catch up with podcasts, which I still haven't done. Uh, it didn't help that like you put out like 80 podcasts in the last I'm two weeks. I'm so
1: fucking behind on podcasts, dude. Yeah. <laughs> And um, I started reading The Sword of Shannara, which is fucking terrible, but it's also eating up my podcast time. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, and I, I realized that I hadn't listened to the, or I hadn't watched the Columbo episode for the totally reprise that came out. So I watched it and listened to the episode, and then I watched the next episode, according to Tubi, which turns out to be episode two from season two, not episode one. Mm-hmm. And literally when I finished it, I saw the tweet being like, and next time we're going to do Etude in Black. So I had to watch that today. And that one's 90 minutes, which was just my movie watching time that I had, like, kind of allotted just out the window. Yeah. Because I'm also trying to, like, stay a little bit on top of uh, doing ideally, and I didn't even hit this today, uh, like... My my hope was I wanted to do an episode of endless a every week, mm-hmm. but that that Haruhi, uh, part two, uh, beach house, beach house is out now. Yeah, so I've had to pick it up, but um, yeah. So it's like just all the little things that I want to keep up on. Uh, since they didn't have like two days of work time, and some of those are just things that I do when I'm at work. Uh huh. That was also just, crazy. yeah. Also, I had to squeeze in an extra episode of Iron Blooded Orphans because we're doing a seven episode week instead of a six episode week, and seven episode weeks always just suck mm. in comparison. Um, so, yeah.
1: Also, for me, and I don't, I don't know about you, but for me, um, it, Matchmaker ended this week, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna plug people buying matchmaker when we actually In the start main the po- episode yeah i'm going to yeah. start the podcast with people got to buy matchmaker but um genuinely like on on some level matchmaker ending this week that was like feeling like oh, i'm so burnt out i don't have time to watch movies i don't have really i'm i'm reading but um i don't do podcasts about books like that um so like some of my like consuming media brain space was just like I can do eight panels of matchmaker every day and now I feel like I've read something and because it was the ending it's like eating up a little more of my mental energy than like most days matchmaker comes out and I'm reading it and I'm like oh that was cute move on but this week I was like ah matchmaker
2: (laughs) yeah um yeah it's been exciting yeah um there's some other thing I was gonna mention and then oh, so the other thing that I briefly mentioned at the very beginning of all of the spiel mm-hmm. is next week we're we're gonna have two ghost divers recording weeks in a row. Ugh. Um which so like we're coming up on the weekend that when people are listening, this has already happened. If they're listening, Patreon, if it's free feed it happened a while ago. Right, right, right. Um but, you know, we're recording this March 24th. Uh-huh. Uh, next weekend is when I'm going to have to record another Ghost Divers, because we're recording one tomorrow. It's going to be the end of my, like, big, long, just, like, podcast work every night mm-hmm. haul. Mm-hmm. Um But then the week after, I'm going to have to also do Ghost Divers, because the weekend after that, I'm going to go to Michigan by train. Yeah. So... We've Already figured out stairwells for it, it's not going to mess with stairwells, yeah. Um, but like any weekend thing, part of why Ghost Divers is every other week is that it just uh, enables that flexibility. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I asked Connor, Do you want to do it the uh, recording April 1st or uh, April 25th? Mm-hmm. Um, and Connor was like, April 1st would be better, which I think is also probably better for the show because. We just watched the first seven episodes of uh, season two, and it would just be nice to get to, like, the midway point. Yeah. So, you know, like, yeah. even if it's a, a 25 or 26 episode run, there's still, like, a 13-episode kind of mini-arc, usually. Yeah. and <clears throat> It'll sometimes, like, have more direct continuation than it might if there's going to be a longer lull. And I afraid exactly how it plays out, but it's, like, I know that, like, we will then have three episodes in or three weeks in between recording instead of two. When we come back, it's going to be a new, like, OP mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, uh, also just puts less editing pressure on me if we do it that way. Right. Makes so, sense. Yeah. Um, I'm fine with it as like a, a decision, but yeah. Um, it is just part of me is like, oh, I just want to, like, because I'm all like ready to do. Uh, F-91, and uh, then go into Stardust Memory. Mm-hmm. I need... Maybe you can answer this for me. Yeah. Do I need to have watched F-91 to watch Stardust Memory?
1: As far as I know, they're completely 100% related. Because <clears throat> I think... F-91 is...
2: Because Cecily Fairchild or whatever. F-91 is
1: like decades after Shard's counterattack. Yeah. Decades and decades.
2: But... There's something. <clears throat> is it Victory that like an F91 character comes up in? Um, Victory. So, so F91 was
1: going to be another 50 episode series. Yeah. Um, they canceled it, and the film F91 is based on the outlines of the first 17 episodes or something like that. Those characters then get a continuation in Crossbone, which is a manga. And, um,. Victory took a lot of ideas that Tomono had for the rest of F91. Um, I don't believe that Cecily shows up in Victory, but I have not seen all of Victory to to tell you for sure. Um, but but yeah. To, uh, Victor, Victory is sort of like the spiritual successor to F91. Victory is in some ways the show that f91 would have been and in some ways is powerfully not that they're very like yeah like there are ideas that go back and forth <clears throat> between the two but like seabook is a space noid and um what's his fucking name what's that kid's name he's cute i like him uso 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 is an earth kid and so, like, there's just a difference of perspective um, inherent to those characters. Yeah, you know that, like, even if like there's some cross pollination, there's they're not super related.
2: Okay, yeah, and I guess it was Crossbone that I was thinking of. I knew that like Cecily wasn't just in that movie. Yeah. Um... Also, I think I think a very
1: old judo shows up in Crossbone as a little cameo. Um, yeah, I think it's just a little wink and nod thing.
2: The, the big thing was like, cause, it, cause cause in general, especially for the universal century stuff, uh, is where I'm more particular about doing everything like, yeah, completely in order. Yeah. Um, but there's this thing of like, you know, if, in order to have the episodes watched for ghost divers next week, I'm going to watch like, during my lunch break Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Mm-hmm. I still have Monday to watch something. Yeah. Um and then Tuesdays, I drive into the office usually and those are my I watch see Destiny days. Mm-hmm. So um but like I want to start a show soon because I I don't really want to just like break up a movie with my little lunch break time. Right. Yeah. Uh but also I would like to maybe watch F91 with you. I know you like F91. I do. So. I do. Um, maybe Sunday? Maybe. No, well, th- cuz the other thing I'm wondering is if they're not that interconnected, then maybe I like watch yeah. it the next week or some, you know.
1: Yeah, um, you could totally like start Victory and then come back to F91, you know. Yeah. Um, I th- I think I believe, the events of F ninety one. But like,
2: so I'd be starting Stardust Memory first, which is thirteen episodes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That that
1: you can just start, like, okay, because that is that is in the past of F ninety one. That is not a Tomino show. Like you're good as far as Stardust Memory goes.
2: Okay. Um, I mean it's still kind of breaking the timeline a little bit, but I, I don't feel as I, I knew that there's like some connections with F ninety one to other stuff, and I was like, how much is it to yeah, you know? Dec- I think you're good as far as that goes. Okay. <clears throat> um yeah. I mean we'll figure out if there's some good time for us to watch it, but um yeah. yeah. Podcast? Um sure. Before you start, Mm -hmm. I can't believe that these nerds got eight uniquely animated beach episodes in a row (laughs) and fucking complained about it. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I've only seen season one of Haruhi. I didn't even finish that because
2: I am not an anime person like that. Yeah. I was not that big into season one. Mm -hmm. I've been enjoying, like, Endless 8 in particular, Mm -hmm. but...